Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Looking for James. He's got it. Coming to the end of the third quarter. LeBron James has shot in history. Dirk fadeaway, one-legged fadeaway by LeBron James. I saw someone splice together, Jake. It was eerily reminiscent of the first shot he made in his NBA career. Uh, so a bit fitting. LeBron James last night passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the NBA's all-time leading scorer. Did it late there in the third quarter. That was Brian Anderson on the call from TNT. And you know, LeBron has that knack, Jake. You feel like of like when he is in the moment and has some sort of goal to obtain. He just had that look last night like he was going to do it and did it before the fourth quarter even started. Yeah, it was pretty remarkable. And coming up later, I want to, and I realize it's a topic that's going to be nationally spoken about a ton. But, uh, you know, I wanted to touch on a little bit, maybe later in the program, about kind of what it meant last night because, you know, Part of it may be just when you've watched a lot of sports, you realize at times that you're watching something, whether you like the player or not. And I and I almost, there was a time where I was of the mindset where sports loyalty or fandom clouded my ability to completely comprehend or appreciate something. And now I try to have an appreciation for greatness as it unfolds or simply rarity as it unformed as it unfolds and you know i was a kid when kareem abdul jabbar became the all-time leading scorer in the nba and that was nearly 40 years ago so the law of averages says kevin that i will not see that again you know i saw pete rose break ty cobb's record that likely will never be surpassed in my lifetime i saw walter payton break jim brown and i saw emmett smith surpass walter payton and those are, and then of course the Hank Aaron home run mark that was eventually surpassed, yeah, kind of, by Barry Bonds. But you know there are certain records that you realize you may not see it again, and that is one of them that we may not see. You and I were talking the other day about the numbers, and you look at guys that would be close, and you're like, wait a minute, they've got to play another twelve years or something like right. that. It's pretty remarkable. And again, play another twelve years and play at the level he's playing at in his twentieth season. Two different stories. You know, you, you can coast, you can ride off into the sunset, you can walk up the 17th and 18th hole for the final few years of your career, but for LeBron to be averaging 30 points per game at age 38, his longevity, his ability to sustain this level now, again, 20 years into his career, and then you tack on all the playoff games, two years worth of playoff games, that to me is what... Stands above the rest. I did have to laugh very hard last night at that possession. Um, I don't know why LeBron didn't feed Thomas Bryant in the post. Thomas Bryant looked like he had great positioning there. That is correct. Can you imagine? Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. I'm here. I'm here. The question was, you know, is he going to get it before the third quarter comes to an end? Now, the thing that's interesting, if you're going to nitpick. Ten seconds to go in the third. He scored, what, one more basket the rest of the game? Yeah. And that was a big loss, honestly, for the Lakers, considering where where they're at in the Western Conference 
uh, standings. A pretty good night of hoops locally. Um, IU, I thought Andy Katz used the right word after the game, kind of validated what they did on Saturday. You know, when you think back to last year, Jake, to have the huge win over Purdue, they get a really reeling Michigan team inside of Assembly Hall their next game. Michigan was terrible at the point last season. And that was one of IU's worst performances, arguably their worst of the year last season, losing by 18. Uh, but they got off to a really nice start last night. And then I thought just in the second half, just kind of hung in there. Took body blow, took body blow. Wasn't the prettiest, had a big scoring drought. But when they needed to make a few hustle plays late, they were able to do that. And they beat Rutgers. Uh, was it 66-60 the final? You know, it goes back to, that is correct, by the way, on the final. It, it goes back to what we've said about them for a while now. And that is that you know that Trace Jackson Davis is an elite level player, an unbelievable player. So then it comes down to, can they get complimentary scoring for him in each game? And it doesn't have to be three or four guys, just one. Last night it was kind of Miller Cop's turn to make big shots. Maybe it's because he was on this program. We I was going to say, some credit for us? <laughs> Got to bump us up in the rankings. Um, you know, Jalen Hood-Shafino had some nice plays, c- continues to play well. I, You know, he's he has worked his way into the first round. I would imagine you probably need to enjoy him while he's there. Uh, but that's a that was a big win for them. You, you could argue, Kevin, a, crazy as it sounds, you could make the argument that, to your point, but to go a step further, that win might have been even bigger than the Purdue win. The Purdue win is huge for all the right reasons, but but for Rutgers, that's a team that that program has struggled with, and that's been a bugaboo, and that's been a thorn in their side, and to exercise that, validate it, that was big for them. Yeah, to me, it's just some growth from last year. Um, again, you, you did not respond, handle, whatever you want to call it, uh, the win over Purdue to the degree that you needed to, um, and last night they were able to do that. Trace Jackson Davis, Jake, I... Just putting the team accomplishments to the side for a second, because I realize those are part of any sort of debate. But we are watching one of the greatest players to play in that program's history. He is the first player in Indiana history to have 2,000 points and 1,000 rebounds. And think about how many good to great big guys have played there. And he's the first one to do that. Again, this is four years. It's not like he had the extra fifth year of COVID. He's still got a final month to play. 20 points, 18 rebounds. Six assists last night. I think it's fine, and we'll obviously probably do this closer to the draft. You know, you can sit there and look at Trace's game and nitpick and say, okay, you know, how much of a right hand has he developed in college? You know, has he stepped out and hit any jumpers? I mean, there are some NBA type questions that you would have with those skills. One area where he has unquestionably improved is his passing and his decision making. I mean, he can facilitate now much better than he could earlier in his career. Um, He's averaging like right around five assists in the Big Ten. I mean, think about how many double teams he gets and the decision-making that goes into that. Uh, That, to me, is an area where his game is really, really great. You know one thing about him, Trace Jackson Davis, that talking of records that I thought would be never broken, what if Trace Jackson Davis comes back next year? He... I mean, he goes past Calbert Chaney's all-time Big Ten scoring mark. Uh, I'm a little torn on the uh, fifth-year COVID stuff. I, like, Mike I, I Davis' son right now doing that. I, I mean, get great it. accomplishments, but... I get it, but... I mean, do you put in... This is a word I can never say. Asterisk? Do you put, doesn't... I always want to say asterisk. 
it's asterisk, right? Both sound pretty good to me. Do you to put the little star with the cross through it? Do you, do you put that? Yeah, I always next feel like it? that's reserved for steroids, which is kind of harsh. <laughs> or, I mean, for Roger Maris, extra games, right? Were you surprised? I mean, your IU history is second to none. Were you surprised he was the first one, 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds? I, I would have, you know. No, and I'll tell you why. Ray Tolbert, Steve Downing. I mean, I, I would have guessed somebody. Alan Henderson. The reason why I would say no, Don Schlutt would be the only one that comes to mind. But if you look at the great four-year big men in Indiana history, those that you just mentioned, Ray Tolbert, Alan Henderson, obviously, you know, Kent Benson. Walt Bellamy. Walt Bellamy. Bellamy would be one that would be... Bellamy probably is the biggest surprise. Those others, though, you know, Ray Tolbert shared the floor with Randy Whitman, Ted Kitchell, Isaiah Thomas. Alan Henderson shared the floor with Greg Graham, Calvert Chaney, Damon Bailey, Brian Evans. Um, you know, go on and on, right? I mean, Kent Benson shared the floor with Scott May, you know, John Leskowski, Quinn Buckner. So the points had to be spread around a little bit. Trace Jackson Davis has been clearly their, their marquee score for the majority of his career at Indiana. Walt Bellamy is the one that would be really surprising. Although, again, Walt Bellamy didn't play three, didn't play four years. He was ineligible in his freshman year. I mean, I, everyone was, not just him. You know, imagine saying, Jake, after that 1-4 and four Big Ten start, you'd be talking about second place IU in early February. I know. That's where we're at. Yeah. Seven of eight. Um, again, one and four after those losses to Iowa, Northwestern, and Penn State. And for the first time since 2019, they beat Rutgers. It's now at Michigan coming up Saturday evening for Indiana. Purdue back in action tomorrow night. Uh, that is Iowa for the Boilermakers. Iowa playing pretty good ball here as of late. By the way, do I sound terrible? I don't feel terrible, but I feel like I sound terrible. You know, just and talking with you for you know fifteen hours every week, maybe a tad stuffy, but I also feel like I am I'm a little. Is this just like the February head cold? Yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Do you got 100%. it going on, Mark? No, I don't. Well, we're blaming you. Did you give it to us? And then I you... didn't do anything. I mean, honestly, the chain of operations, if that's a thing, is probably something to do with like Mark or my children from daycare bring that home. Mark and I get it, and then we give it to you. Oh, yep. thanks. Mm-hmm. So apologies up front. Well, how- like it is a minor. Mir- if you're going to tell me at the start of every week, Rosie and or Max will go to all five days of daycare. I will give you a hug and pick you up and say, really? "Can I go buy you a six pack of beer?" Because think about it. Let I me mean, not to get too deep into the weeds. A lot of these young kids didn't go through like the normal illnesses the last couple of years because mask wearing and yeah, you're right. You know all that stuff. Fair. So apologies. How about that? We get into. What do we do on this program, Mark? We educate and entertain. That's right. And do we have an apology sick. to issue to Green Bay? No. Never apologize Oh, I thought that to was Green a big Bay. topic in our boss meeting. Okay, it was time. Wisconsin, but they also had the green and yellow letters I, I colors. Think so. I think it was Green Bay, right? I think it was Wisconsin, but because I saw the green and yellow, I immediately saw red, and I was like, that's it. We Maybe can't a, little, uh, a little context behind this. These are the mid-market rankings from yesterday. Mm-hmm. So you're but, saying the state of Wisconsin? Well, it's Milwaukee, but yeah, it's. And we Milwaukee had two Green stations. Bay. Milwaukee had two stations in the top. Now, now hang on, 15. that's a bit humbling when they have two morning shows that are better than ours. Well, d- didn't what was the other market that has two in front of us? Uh, I don't know. St. Louis, maybe. Didn't St. Louis have two? How in much front Cardinals of us? talk do you need on on a daily basis? Well, out there, trust me. 
Yeah, I mean, what else are you talking about? I mean, we've been talking about a coaching search for seven weeks, so who are we to talk, right? Oh, yeah, we do have a Jim Mercer tweet that we can get to here in just a second. Tonight, Pacers in Miami to take on the Heat. No Kyle Lowry, no Victor Oladipo. Victor's been out for about a week with an ankle injury. The Pacers, again, looking for their first road win since December 23rd. Ironically enough, that was in Miami. Six-and-a-half-point underdog, and this will be the final game until... Tomorrow afternoon's trade deadline. But yeah, Jim Irsay, a little bit of an update yesterday, right? Yeah, um, and of course Mark Boyle had to point out, well, actually days are hours. Or hours are days, whichever way you want to look at it. But uh, Jim Irsay essentially came out and said uh, that they are close, but the announcement would be within days, not hours. You think that's because of the Super Bowl, Kevin? Uh, That's a good question. I, I, I do think there was an element of, you know, they go to Philadelphia on Saturday. They interview Shane Steichen. Um, you know, you probably, I would hope you would take Sunday off and then Monday, Tuesday, kind of big days to regroup, go over everything. And Jake, I think Chris Ballard is, has so much scar tissue and is still frightened by what happened with Josh McDaniels. Do you really? And he wears so much egg, egg on his face for that. Um, and I think that is why you are seeing such an exhaustive, thorough process and now you're going to feel it in these final days. Like they are, you know, most, I don't know how much you guys have paid attention to the other hires. Carolina announced the Frank Reich hire three days before he signed his contract and had his press conference. Sean Payton, they announced that multiple days before he signed his contract and had his press conference. I would almost be shocked if the Colts announced it and then said, oh yeah, we'll have a presser in three days. Like they don't want the McDaniels thing to happen again. And obviously the likelihood of that is very slim. But I just think there was so much embarrassment that Chris Bauer felt about that. Do you that think is a huge reason why you're seeing the Colts be... And honestly, Ursay, I, I found the wording in there. Final decision coming in days, not hours. Like, Do you think that Chris Ballard has that embarrassment towards his fan base or towards his owner? Or shame. Let me say that. Do you think he's embarrassed for? Do you think he's embarrassed, like in terms of, I can't believe that Josh McDaniels turned his back on me, and I can't let fans see that again? Or does he think I can't let my owner see? Yeah, that again? that's a good question. I'd say both parties, Jake. And honestly, when it involves New England, that probably adds to it as well. And again, I know that was a long time ago, but this is the first time that he's obviously gone through a head coaching search since then. Uh, the exact Ursay tweet was as followed. We said, as an organization, you got to love he puts in parentheses Colts. I'm glad he clarified that he was talking about the Colts there. We said, as an organization, the coaching search should be a, a open-minded and a thorough process, and the final decision would be strictly based on what is best for our franchise's success and best for our fans of Colts Nation. Final decision coming in days, not hours. The punctuation is always very interesting in the Ursay tweets. What's your guess on the day? Is it going to be Valentine's Day? They send out like a little card with Ziggy uh-huh. on it. Will you be my right. Valentine? And Boy, it's I got a feel how thrilled Maddie is about that one. Picture about of we're a big Valentine's Day. Like, or do they? Are they going to send a big candy heart to Raheem Morris? Will you be mine? Oh, I used to love those candy hearts. They probably aren't allowed in schools these days. Really? Why? I, well, you know, too sugary. 
allergies. Yeah. And, you know, is everybody going to get one of them? No, my my daughter's school's already said you can send out give out cards, no candies though. See, I think they also don't want the kids all sugared up at school. That's the other thing. I say you just give it to them the final hour of the day and then send them home. No, thank you. Pass on that one. <laughs> uh, Jake, I, yeah, I would. I would like Who made to th- you the no fun police, Mark. <laughs> Three daughters will do that to you. I guess. All right, would, calm down. I'd like to think by next Wednesday we are recapping a hire and a press conference. Now, I have not had any more medically induced dreams or whatever you want to call it, hallucinations that uh, Aaron Glenn was hired. Okay. That, was, that was the one that I had. No, no, no follow up on that. Now, if you're hiring Shane Steichen, you know, is Shane, <laughs> let's say the Eagles win the Super Bowl. He would, I assume, spend the night, of course, in Arizona that Sunday night. You would like to think he would want to take part in some sort of activities Monday with the team, fly back with the team. Then you could be looking at a little bit later in the week, opening press conference, if he is the person. If it's someone not involved in the Super Bowl, I would see no reason why you couldn't just make an announcement Monday and have the press conference Tuesday. Uh, speaking of Shane Steichen, you had mentioned yesterday that Chris Hagan ran into him on radio or like in uh-huh. doing media stuff at the Super Bowl. Uh, Hagan last night posted that he ran into Carrot Top. Have you seen that fellow lately? I feel like there's multiple Carrot Tops out there. Well, good point. Um, Carrot Top and Madonna seem to have gotten into coupons together of like buy oh, one, get one. Like the zoo book? On the Yeah, kind of. Uh, zoo is a good way of saying it. Um, Carrot Top's had work done. Have you noticed, Mark? Oh, of course. How old is Mr. 57. Top? I looked it up. Now, I didn't know that Carrot Top is still around. Like, I have a Carrot Top watch. It hasn't worked in nine years, right? Like, you thought he was but, um, six tis- feet under? No, just, I, well, I didn't know where he was. Does he still do? I mean, he was always kind of funny. And when I was in college, um, he he did a show at the auditorium in Bloomington and then just showed up randomly at one of my friend's parties. Yep. No props, just hung out. I mean, he was like 30 at the time. Did he no take props. Part? How'd you recognize him? Take part the, in any extracurricular the activities? Top hair. What's that? He take part in any extracurricular My activities? understanding is those are the props he brought, yes. Oh, okay. Well, hey, at least he comes bearing gifts. He's like yeah. the three wise men. But he uh, looks he looks rough. I I'll talked to Hagen uh, briefly yesterday about Shane Steichen. I'm like, what do he say? And Hagen said that um, Steichen was polite, a little startled when he heard that, hey, I'm from Indianapolis, um, said he did not want to get into any sort of Colts-related topics, head coaching topics. Um only focused on this week, blah, 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 all of that. But I get the sense, Jake, that, again, the Colts are like, I mean, they are not saying anything. And I think a lot of this is Josh McDaniels related. I mean, they are like deathly quiet in what they're saying, not even mentioning any candidates' names. They didn't announce any of these second interviews. The tone of transparency uh, has changed a whole lot here in the last couple of weeks. You know so. what uh, You know what? some people are reading into it, don't you? That Steichen is the favorite? That the days, we'll have announcement in days, which candidate's last name is a day. Oh, wow. People really went there. Uh-huh. I, saw rea- I saw the comments. Wait a minute. He's saying an announcement in days. Boy, that's giving Jim Mercy a lot of credit. There's my partner. Yeah, I mean, I'm telling you. The the Riddler. 
By the way, Jake, Carrot Top still performs every night at the Luxor Casino in Vegas. No shot. Saw the show last year. Wildly entertaining. Very good. Lots of laughs. Okay, that's cool. I mean, like I said, he seems like a good dude. Just, um, he's had a lot of work done. Mark, I was kind of hoping Miller Cop would give us a little shout out last night after the game. You know, a little show bump. Well, he saw he saw that we were 15th. He's like, maybe I need to go on Milwaukee radio. Oh, that's what I meant to look at is who's ahead of us. 18 points for Miller Cop last night. Again, Indiana beats Rutgers. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis, 2018 and six assists. Uh, you know what I else watched at the end there, Jake, was um, Butler beating St. John's. Um, excuse me. Hello. My phone blew up last night. You know why, don't you? Why is that? See, I didn't remember it either. Do you guys not remember this? You said that you guaranteed Butler would win. Guaranteed it. Oh, right. Said it as sure as the, old... the fact my name is Jake Query. Somebody sent me a text said, It was the old well, Butler. Name. Butler's a favorite. I'm going to guarantee that they win a game. I don't think they were a favorite, right? Uh, last I saw, I they, were they were favored leading into last night's game. Did you watch that finish at all? It was wild. A lot of people thought it should have gone to overtime. Uh, so basically, Butler 68-66, uh, Lucocious kid, the sophomore from Lithuania, he misses two free throws. St. John's comes down the other end. Chaotic, you know, few seconds. Ball goes out of bounds. We're reviewing it 1,900 times. St. John's gets it with .9 on the clock. They're inbounding it for the baseline. They lob one up to the rim. Big man, Alfonso Joel Soriano for St. John's, puts it in at the buzzer. Looks like it's a good basket. They initially count it good. But, and great job by the Butler home clock keeper. Uh, Jaden Thomas, who was guarding the inbounds pass, he tipped the ball as it was being inbounded. That obviously starts the clock. So the .9 began. Soriano's putback was just a hair late. Mike Anderson, I feel like he's been at St. John's for 30 years, even though he's probably been there for like five. He's been everywhere. Missouri, UAB, Arkansas. Uh, he was not happy, and Butler, 68-66, they snap, I think it was a five-game losing streak. Now, I'm looking here. Now, he's already got up the top 20 major market, so does that mean I missed out on finding where the middle market is? I'm looking for our rankings. I want to know who's in front of us. Didn't we do this yesterday? No, we just very briefly did. I think it, it's worth repeating, right? Is it not? But it's, it seems like it's been buried. Something I want to talk to Stephen Holder about when he joins us at 8. Stephen mentioned that Gus Bradley right would get the defensive coordinator higher with several of these candidates or would still be the defensive coordinator higher. Um, again, curious those names. I do think Shane Steichen would have the ability to be one of them. Steichen and Gus Bradley were with the Chargers for, I think it was four seasons. They actually were opposing coordinators for one of those four seasons. That would be 2020. So they went up you know, against each other in practice. So uh, that will be something to keep an eye on when this head coaching hire does occur. Well, Dustin DePirac joining us at 8.30. Again, NBA trade deadline for the league coming up tomorrow at 3 o'clock. I didn't realize, did you guys uh, notice that Benedict Mather and Andrew Nemhard were at the IU Purdue game behind the IU. Bench I did notice that. Some and somebody said like I can't believe they were there on a game night. It's like no, no, no. IU played Purdue on Saturday. Pacers played on Sunday. It's cool that they were there, right? Yeah, they had great seats. I mean, literally right behind the Indiana bench. We'll also play some Kevin Pritchard audio at some point today, um, going over the trade deadline and what Pritchard had to say about that.
during the Miles Turner contract extension chatter. If you missed it, LeBron James does pass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar the most points in NBA history. He did that on a fadeaway to the left, or a step back is probably the better way to say it, uh, late in the third quarter there. 36 points through three quarters for LeBron. And a little expletive from him. I saw that. People are all over him about it, right? We have that audio, right, Mark? Yeah, not of the We're going to play it uncensored, right? too. No. A little later. Yeah, okay, yeah. good. We'll really skyrocket up the rankings yeah, after that one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, look out, Cheyenne. Here we come. Steven Holder at 8, Dustin Apirak <laughs> at 8.30. Again, supposed to be a pretty nice temperature today in Indianapolis. Sounds like some rain coming tomorrow. Kevin Bowen, Jake Quarry, Mark Dykton right here, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. We'll begin in Bloomington. Last night, Indiana and Rutgers. And again, as we had talked about, didn't you say that the last time, and this stunned me, the last time that Indiana beat Rutgers was actually 1947. Did you know that? Exactly. Branch McCracken, big win over Gary Peichel. <laughs> Uh, last night, the Hoosiers 66 uh, to 60 winners. Trace Jackson Davis with 20 and 18. Miller Cop with 18 points. Uh, Kevin, that's kind of the key for Indiana is to try to find somebody that is a secondary score to Trace Jackson Davis, and that's exactly what they got last night. Yeah, I thought actually Cop gave him a few moments on the defensive end as well. Uh, but Trace Jackson Davis, certainly the story. Like you said, 20 and 18, six assists as well. The first player in IU history to have 2,000 points and 1,000 rebounds. His head coach afterwards. And we go a little something like this. Hit it. It's unbelievable. All I can say is unbelievable. I mean, this young man has done a lot since he's been here wearing this uniform. Um, I couldn't be more proud of a player. I mean, he's phenomenal player. It's beautiful to watch, man. He does a lot of wonderful things on the floor, man. And to be able to score 2,000 points and 1,000 rebounds, man, that, that says a lot. Jake, Indiana had like that nearly, I think it was like nearly nine-minute scoring drought in the second half. And ironically, Race Thompson throws up some just awkward kind of fadeaway air ball. Trace ends it with catching the air ball, putting it back in with about two minutes to go. That was a huge bucket there to kind of, again, keep Rutgers at bay a little bit. And in that drought, then Trey Galloway, a huge offensive rebound put back to uh, put the game on ice. Those two plays, those are kind of Rutgers-type plays that Indiana was able to make late. Uh, elsewhere in college basketball last night, Ball State 17-7 and now overall. 65-51 win over Central Michigan. Four-game win streak now for Mike Lewis's group. Uh, Mickey Pearson Jr. with 13. Jalen Sellers and Demarius Jacobs had 12 each for the cards. Butler, as you heard on this program yesterday, emphatically was going to happen. Trailed for most of the game, but comes back. Beats St. John's at the Fieldhouse. 68-66. Dogs now 12-13. and Last night in the NBA, the highlight, LeBron James. He passes Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for number one on the NBA scoring list. Mark, if you could give us that LeBron post basket speech there. It was a step back late in the third quarter that did it for LeBron and he had this to say after. I just want to say um, you know, thank you to the Laker faithful. Um, you guys are one of a kind. Um, to be able to be in the presence of such a legend and great as Kareem, it, it means so much to me. It's very humbling. Um, please give a standing ovation to the, to the captain, please. Um, 
to my beautiful wife, my daughter, my two boys, my friends, my boys, my family, my mother, all my, man, everybody that's ever been a part of this run with me the last 20 years, 20 plus years. I just want to say I thank you so much because I wouldn't be me without y'all. All y'all help, all y'all passion, all y'all sacrifices helped me get to this point. And to the NBA, to Adam Silver, to the late, great David Stern, I thank you guys so much for allowing me to be a part of something I've always dreamed about. And um, I would never, ever, in a million years, uh, dreamt this even better than what it is tonight. So, man, thank you guys. I saw a lot of people actually saying that they kind of excused the profanity there. It's kind of a caught-in-the-moment thing. Sure. Um, but we'll talk a little bit more about LeBron uh, coming up here in just about 10 minutes or so, I had a couple of thoughts I wanted to pass along on it. And I know that it's a topic people will hear plenty about, Kevin, over the course of the day. But a pretty neat moment last night. The Pacers tonight in Miami against six-and-a-half-point underdog for that one. No Kyle Lowry for the Heat. Uh, for Indiana, this is probably the site of arguably their best moment of the season. Winning in Miami in late December, Tyrese Halliburton had 43 in that game. After their game with the Heat tonight, it's trade deadline Thursday and then back-to-backs with Phoenix at home on Friday and then at the Wizards on Saturday as we are just a little over a week away from the NBA All-Star game. Again, uh, supposed to be a pretty nice temperature today here in Indianapolis. I think tomorrow some rain in the forecast. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Kevin Aquari right here on 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to Kevin Inquiry on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Westbrook's got it just inside half court. Westbrook with it. Give it to LeBron at the right elbow. LeBron, one-on-one against Kenrick Williams. Backing him in. Turns. Shoots. Scores! There it is! All hail the new king in town! Young and old, gather round from one iconic Laker to another. The king... LeBron James has passed the captain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and LeBron now stands alone as the NBA's all-time leading scorer. So that's how it sounded last night. That was 710 ESPN Radio in Los Angeles, Lakers radio call of LeBron James becoming the all-time leading scorer in NBA history. And and I wanted to, I thought about this last night as I was watching it. I thought he said um, Roger Penske there when he said the captain. I was confused by that for a second. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly what um, Roger Penske, what, 16 Indy 500s? Yeah. Probably sure. will never be surpassed as well. But nice, nice actually, ba- it's, is it 16? I think it's 16. Nice yeah. baseline jumper for Roger Penske. 16 maybe? or 18. It might be 18. Anyway, um, with LeBron James, I, I thought about this last night, and I certainly understand, folks, that you are going to hear from every angle of LeBron James, and I understand the exhaustion. I do. Especially in a market where some very good Pacer teams were upended by LeBron James and the admiration in this town for Michael Jordan or Oscar Robertson. I, I get it. 
But I want you to stop for a second and think about something. LeBron James was on the cover of Sports Illustrated some 20 years ago as a high school player as, quote, the chosen one. His games were put on ESPN as a high school player. And he went to a private school in Akron, Ohio, a kid from a single mother who did not have the best of upbringings, and basketball perhaps afforded him the opportunities to get out from underneath those. A great part of LeBron James' unselfish nature as a player, as I've read and talked to people about it, comes from the fact perhaps that when he was in high school, his home life was such that he lived with a different classmate and teammate at St. St. Mary High School each semester that he was in high school, and thus on the floor tried to get them uber involved in games when clearly he was superior to everyone on the floor itself. Many of those players are now those that are his business camp that work for him as it's been explained to me by people who have met with him even in contract negotiations as an incredibly mature, respectful, and very buttoned-down business group, a, a wonderful group of young people around him. But from the time that he hit the spotlight, there are few athletes, if any, of this generation who have had a greater microscope on them at an earlier age. But more so, I think what is impressive about him is unlike Michael Jordan, unlike Peyton Manning, unlike Tom Brady, LeBron James, from his adolescence to the current, has lived his entirety in not only the teardown society, a society where we love as Americans to find our heroes and then find the dents in the armor, Lance Armstrong, Tiger Woods. To some extent, Peyton Manning underwent that at Tennessee. People love to tear down and then rebuild back up our heroes, if you will. And for whatever reason, LeBron James, probably because of spite from a lot of people, from the time that he was put into that, catapulted into that limelight, that teardown never got to him. In an era, and he is the first generation of player that lives in an era where everybody has a cell phone in their pocket and would love to be the ones that were the witness to the breakdown, LeBron James never wilted to that. I've never seen video of him being rude to a waiter. I've never seen video of him yelling at a fan or blowing off a young child for an autograph, any of that kind of thing. Now, you could certainly speak to, and I understand the polarization of LeBron James from a political standpoint, but what I applaud about him is, and I want you to think for a second about the responsibilities of what it would be like if you were 15 or 16 years old and you were surrounded by plight, and then all of a sudden you realize that you have the opportunity to utilize your platform to try to assist others that are undergoing the same upbringing that you had and yes he went to a private school I get that but I don't know what it's like to be a black man in this country I don't so I have to respect LeBron James when he speaks to me about what that situation is yeah but Jake he's a billionaire now give me a break he has all the luxuries in the world that's true he didn't always and he was exposed to people who did not always, who he felt, whether you agree or disagree with it, 
he felt that those injustices were such that he could utilize his platform to make a difference towards. And to go back to the quote of Voltaire, I may not agree with the, with the word you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. And for LeBron James to utilize his platform and his opportunity to illuminate the things that he thought were an unfair injustice around him or injustice around him, I applaud him for that. And especially because in an era of marketability, he didn't necessarily seem overly concerned by that, but rather use the platform to give kids college education and to make people aware of situations that he had to overcome that he felt were still holding other people back. And then, if you want to talk about the fact that LeBron James has not been outspoken about China and the injustices in China, that's a fair criticism. That's fair. But at the same time, I don't see the same critique of people in this country of prominence that have bank accounts in China and business investments in China that becomes a very complex issue. Rather, I simply would hope that people last night as I did were able to look at something, Kevin, that took place and say to themselves, what I'm witnessing is somebody who this was predicted for when they were 15 or 16 years old that never wavered from all of the disciplines that went into achieving that moment and as a result putting forth on the basketball floor a symbol of a moment of greatness that we might not see again in our lifetime in terms of somebody breaking that record and considering all of the things that most athletes fall victim towards I think that is his ultimate accomplishment. Yeah, I mean, certainly, Jake, the amount of pressure on him, uh, not only to be drafted at the age he was, have the expectations, but to be drafted by your hometown team and everything that he felt in delivering for that city and, of course, you're coming back to Cleveland and giving them that title. And I, I would say a couple of things that just stand out to me that kind of shows you where LeBron will stand with the all-time greats. The biggest complaint that I hear about LeBron is that he whines too much. Like that's is that his biggest flaw? That's right. a pretty good flaw. If that's your biggest one, um, you know, you look at all-time greats in any sport, either physically or off the playing field. They have been torn down either by their own doing or by others at some point in their respective lives. I mean, you could look at all of them. Um, and you just don't have that with him at the age of 38. I mean, this guy is now 20 years into his NBA career. Again, you tack on the two years worth of playoff games, and he's averaging 30 points per game. To me, on the court, the longevity, still playing at this highest level, in no way, shape, or form. If he retired tomorrow, you would be like, whoa, he's one of the better players in the NBA today, and he's hanging right. it up? Like, this is not... I mean, Jordan took two years and then took three years. And, you know, Tiger, of course, physically and certainly with his off-the-court or his off-the-course issues, those speak for itself. Even Gretzky had a little bit of not the same Wayne Gretzky that you were used to. LeBron is still playing at an incredibly, incredibly high level. And to do that over the course of 20 years for all the reasons that you mentioned, um, frankly, I, I don't think we'll see anything like it. Kevin, he, a lot of people... I always found this interesting. He was drafted. You made an excellent point there. Drafted into his hometown. In this country, what do we do when young people graduate from high school? We applaud them when they go away from home. Little Johnny's going to state you. We're so excited and proud of him that he's going away for, to home. Susie's going to go 
and, and to the Peace Corps, whatever. We're so excited and proud of her that she's going away from home and, and she's she's spreading her wings. He's going out and seeing the real world. LeBron James gets drafted right into the place where he's always been. And then once his contract is up, despite taking like basically CYO teams to the NBA Finals every year that he's there, he decides finally to spread his wings and go elsewhere and go away to school. He's going to leave home. He's going to go and live in Miami and spread his wings and, and do something else. And people critique him for the announcement or the decision, as it was known, except for that ESPN came to him, and he was, what, like 25 years old, whatever, and said, look, we'll pay a million dollars to you to air your decision. And he said, actually, give the money to the Boys and Girls Club of Akron, the Akron area, and like I think of Connecticut. And so he raised a million dollars for that and got critiqued for it. Then he went away. He won championships. He blossomed. He spread his wings. And then you know what he said, Kevin? He said, but I still have business left at home. And he came home and he won a title for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And at that point, he's got the freedom as a man to do whatever the hell he wants. And I can tell you that when he met with teams before the decision, the one thing he told them, he said, if you sign me, I'm going to make a lot of money. I know that. But I promise you this. I will spend $1 million a year on nothing but my nutrition and my health. And I'd say it paid off because he's 38 and he looks like he's 25. I've always felt this way about, and this goes for any sport, you know, the first thing, the criticism for LeBron on the court is, you know, how many championships he's won compared to Michael Jordan. And when we evaluate athletes on that, why shouldn't they go try and team up with people? If that's the goal, if that's how you're going to be evaluated, if it's do anything to win at all costs, why shouldn't that be the objective? Um, I've always found that such a weird argument with him. And the game has evolved, certainly, based off where it was, you know, when past greats played it. Um, and I still, looking at that shot last night, I still keep on laughing at Thomas Bryant's post position on that. <laughs> I mean, that is textbook. Great seal. How does You're LeBron right. not, not feed him there? LeBron decides to go with a low percentage step back and not give the big man the ball? Tom Crean has got to be clapping somewhere, loving that. Can you imagine if that was the final play of the year? <laughs> and LeBron, he says he's going to retire, and he dishes to Thomas Bryant and falls one point shy of Kareem. Literally a Phil Knight just stoic the in best the background, part about it, and then Thomas Kevin, Bryant calling for the ball. If you look at the photo of LeBron James' shot that broke the record, every single person in the arena is holding up their phone but Phil Knight. Yeah. Uh-huh. And because Phil Knight is the one person that looks like he is looking at it, saying to himself, but I always knew this was going to happen. Or are you saying, feed the post? <laughs> Look at the position Thomas Bryant has. The only person more open than Thomas Bryant is Phil Knight. Yeah, literally. <laughs> uh, Stephen Holder going to join us here in a few. Again, Stephen had several, I thought, pretty interesting tweets yesterday related to the Colts coaching search. And Jim Mercer gave Stephen Holder the retweet yesterday. And you could argue, maybe Jim Mercer's later tweet, he pretty much just paraphrased what Stephen Holder had said earlier in the day. So we'll chat about that, uh, see if Stephen believes there's a favorite. And then coming up at 8.30, I do want to get into a little bit of trade deadline with Dustin DePirac. I know he was able to catch up with Kevin Pritchard last week about the deadline. If the Pacers are to make a move and add a player, their roster is filled right now, so they would have to part ways with... A player, if you look at things, they've got four draft picks currently in the top 30. I think it's 32 uh, for this year's draft. No free agents of substance outside of O'Shea Brissett. 
uh, coming up. So some interesting decisions, I think, for the Pacers here in the next 36 hours. Uh, Kevin Aquarian, what looks to be a nice start to this Wednesday morning here. 93.5 on a 7.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. All right, 8 o'clock hour here. Kevin Inquiry, Stephen Holder joining us now. He got the retweet yesterday from Jim Ursay. I actually thought Ursay then took his tweet and was like, you know what, I'm going to put my Ursay spin on it, but pretty much say what Stephen said a little bit earlier in the day. And that was a reminder of the patient process Chris Ballard promised back a month ago. It's a month today since the cold season has ended, by the way. And Ursay said the final decision would be strictly based on what's best for our franchise's success. Best for our fans of Colts Nation. Final decision coming in days, not hours. Steven joins us now. Steven, I might be premature with this, and we'll see what the final answer is, but I get the vibe that Jim Mersey has let Chris Ballard run this how Chris Ballard has wanted to run it over the past month, and I have not said that about every or many important decisions this franchise has made over the last 12 months. I concur 100%. That is the vibe that I get. That is every indication that I have. Uh, that is that is that is what I have taken away from from all of this. And I think there's there's a couple of indications. Uh, first of all, uh, you look at who they who they talked to in terms of who who they interviewed. Now they went after some of the bigger names. Obviously, they they talked to Dan Quinn and, and guys like that, but. There, ha- there haven't been maybe the sexy names, if you will, right? And I think that, to me, that indicates Chris Ballard's in charge. I think they also, uh, with the, the deliberative, the deliberate, excuse me, nature of this, tells me Chris Ballard. That's exactly what he told us to expect, right? And you're right. Jim Mercy didn't need to re- didn't need to put up his own tweet because I did say the same thing he said. So um, I don't know if that's a kiss of death getting the, the retweet from the owner or not. But anyhow, I, I agree with you. I really do. And and I have also heard from people in the building who who, who don't like the fact, or let me say, put it this way, don't love how Jim Mercy has been characterized throughout this. I don't think we were wrong about anything we said. Okay, but. But I also think they make a fair point when they say, you know, this has not been Jamerce's nature throughout right. his his time as an owner, and it hasn't. So, so I, hopefully, uh, this was the uh, the exception and not the rule. You know, some of the interaction we saw last year from him, and and we'll see. I I, I get the sense that you are correct, though, KB. Stephen, is it even possible with? the the lack of information and I'll give the Colts credit in that regard to tell us like a, even a gut of who you think the front runner is or is that literally an impossible estimation at this point I really think it's impossible and I think it is remarkable you know based on or what you just said is remarkable in terms of them controlling the flow of information it's unbelievable <laughs> and I think part of that is 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 number one I don't think they have given a lot of indication and they also have have talked to such a, a large number of people that it 
it is hard to, to kind of weed people out. Uh, they, they've all gotten the exact same treatment, which was intentional, not because they were trying to keep it a secret, but because they were trying to ensure that everybody got a fair shake. You know, that's, that's what was emphasized to me this week. You know, the, the whole, what was it, like 12-hour interviews. Uh, I understand that each candidate, each of the finalists who had in-person interviews, they each got three to four hours on average of one-on-one time with Ursay, which sounds like a lot. <laughs> um, he could talk. He could make a lot of music references in three hours. Um, and so anyway, I, I really think all of those factors have made it really, really impossible to, you know, without someone specifying to you, you know, who the front runner is, made it hard to, to determine that. And they're not talking. I'm telling you, they are not talking, at least not in terms of specifics. And as you said, I give them credit for that. Stephen Holder with us uh, from ESPN.com. Um, I, I hesitate to call anyone a favorite at this point, and this is me probably reading too much into it, Stephen. But if we get to, like, Friday and it's still really, really quiet, would that mean to you that someone in the Super Bowl, maybe Shane Steichen, is that favorite? Because if it was somebody else, could you see a little bit of leakage from their side of things? Whereas the Steichen camp is going to want to be all in on the Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. Obviously, the Ballard camp wants to be all in on quiet, quiet, quiet. Again, I'm probably reading too much into this, but if we get to Friday and we've heard nothing, would that lend you to think that sort of lean one way? I mean, it's a it's a fair... Um, what's the word? Uh, it's fair to wonder that, for sure. Put it that way. Uh, I mean, if you were taking bets, you'd probably take that bet. Not because I heard anything, and I know you're not saying that right. either. Just yeah, I don't have an overwhelming amount of confidence with that, but if I were right. if I were to go anywhere, that's probably where I would lean. Right. I mean, I think I think if we're looking for indications, right? And we don't have any. <laughs> okay, so that's that's like the one possible potential indicator that we have. So you can't ignore it, you know, given the limited information that we have. I think that's a fair statement. Um, but again, I mean, do I know anything about how they feel about Shane Steichen? No. Um, and, and the one thing I would say about all of this, keep in mind, is, you know, we have gotten so little information, but we have, we have heard so much speculation throughout this thing, right? So much. And I have really just kept quiet for the most part. Like, if I know something, I'll put it out there. If I, if I have some, you know, reasonable thoughts, uh, I put them out there. But I've really tried not to speculate because, I mean, there's been a lot of stuff said and most of it's been wrong. <laughs> That's something somebody in the building told me this week was that, look, you have no idea how wrong some of this information has been. And I don't, I'm not talking about anything specific, um, but I'm just saying a lot of that has probably come from social media uh, speculation. But all I can tell you is that they, they've apparently been sitting back and laughing at a lot of it. Steven, the report came out. I believe you actually were one of those that, that had information on this. That the Colts, the reason that the Colts were, I'll, I'll say blocking for lack of a better phrase, not granting permission for other teams right. to talk to Gus Bradley was because there were perhaps multiple head coaching candidates who had expressed an interest of retaining Gus Bradley as their defensive coordinator. Do we know which candidates that would be? I do not know. 
that is that is true. Yes, that is what I was told, and I my understanding is that it is definitely multiple candidates. I do not know which ones. Um, I mean, we can. Yeah, can we go off and, some of the connections? Isn't Raheem Morris, yeah, that's, Basaccia? That's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. Like, we could we could kind of look for connections. Yeah. Shane Steichen. And, and there are a few, right? There are a few. I, I think it's, it, it's there's some, like, legitimate, like, I just talked about speculation, but, like, there's actually uh, some, you know, some, some strong indicators we can look at there, even though, they're just that. There's still speculation, but I do think there's some, you know, there's some decent uh, speculation we can make there. Like you said, Versace has history with him in Vegas and elsewhere, I believe. Um, but Raheem Morris and he have history. I'm forgetting mm-hmm. someone. Uh, Steichen. Yeah, Morris, Versace, Steichen are the three that I've seen. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think there could be more. I mean, I, I, I think you don't have to necessarily have history with him. To, to also watch the tape and say, you know what, this defense is workable, right? I mean, the Colts' offense last season was was absolutely dreadful, okay? I mean, dreadful. And I think if you watch it and, and keep that understanding in mind, I think you would have a, a pretty positive impression of the defense and, and say to yourself, okay, well, who am I going to go get at this point you know, that's better. And, and I don't know, maybe you have someone in mind because generally coaching candidates do. But if you have something in place that also works and and the team is actually in favor of that option because I think Chris Ballard does seem to, I mean, he built that defense and I, I think was in favor of obviously hiring Gus Bradley. So they would be in favor of it. So, you know, you might, you might just kind of go along with that. Stephen, the QAnon folks went crazy yesterday, direct messaging me that when Jim Irsay said that the decision would come in days and capital day, capitalized days, uh, that meant Jeff Saturday. Your thoughts? <laughs> oh my God, man! I don't know if to be impressed or if to be scared. <laughs> I think I'm. I think I'm kind of impressed by that. Right? That someone's like, mind would, I, I, would would go there. You imagine if Irsay was doing that? I mean. First of all, wow. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm not that smart, I guess. But nah, I uh, my thoughts are let's just let's hope that's not true because then I'm going to have to start looking at life in a whole different way. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's scary. Steven, I got one more on the coaching front, and I do want to ask you something else, non-coaching related, before we let you go. But we're now a month into this. I, I've said all along, I'm totally fine with the amount of patience that Chris Ballard has shown. The one negative, the one con I would have is, are you missing out on some staff candidates? You know, let's not act like just the head coaching hires the most important thing, particularly if that person is not on the offensive side of the ball. You've got some big-time hires and some big-time people, people maybe to try and retain as well. What cons, if any, do you think there are with the Colts waiting as long as they have? That's the one I have. I agree with you. And I mean, look, I'm not up in arms about it. I don't, I don't necessarily think that they have made a mistake, uh, but I, but I do think they, they have made a, a willful decision here to take their time. And, and, and when you do that, that means that you understand there may be unintended consequences and that would be one. There's no question about it. I, I think that the staff matters a lot, like a whole lot. Now, the good thing is there there have only been uh, I think there were what, five openings this year, so there's not quite as much movement as there was 
like last year, I think there were 10, ultimately uh, 10 different head coaches. Uh, but there's still this is still the time of year when, when people want to get settled. If you're an assistant coach, you got your family, uh, kids in school, et cetera, you, you want to get settled and understand where you're going to be. And that this is the time of year that happens. And, and people start getting nervous, you know, when the musical chairs are toward the end of the process, right? You don't want to get left standing. Right. So, so that's a, that's a legitimate thing. And, and the other thing I'd say about coaching staff is I think a, a little discussed issue uh, over the last year or so is I, I think Frank Reich suffered a lot from his staff departures over the past two off seasons, like a lot. I mean, we know we talked about Sirianni a lot and, and that one is obvious, but there have been other departures too uh, among position coaches that I really think ultimately uh, did not help Frank Reich. And, and some of those, he let them go and, you know, to, to allow them to have upper upward mobility. I credit him for that. Uh, but ultimately, his staff, I, th- I think, took a hit as a result of some of those moves. Stephen, Stephen Holder, by the way, is our guest. He is with ESPN.com. Of course, he joins us on the Payless Sugars Hotline. Is there any chance that the Colts look at this year's quarterback draft and say, you know what, a couple of intriguing talents, but there are no can't-miss franchise guys. We, we are going to go ahead and run this one more time with a veteran. Any chance that happens? Hmm. I think it's a I think it's a fair question. I don't I think a lot of people just dismiss it right out of hand. You know, like the whole Derek Carr situation and I'm not you know, I'm not proposing that at all. But I mean I don't think it's like a ridiculous thought either, right? I mean that's a different level of quarterback than they've looked at the last few years, I think. I think I see him completely different than, you know, even Philip Rivers, who I loved, but, you know, was 39. Anyway, however, I do think there's a couple factors. Number one, they they have the number four overall pick. You don't get that opportunity often, all right? I mean, it took a very unique season for them to get there, and I use unique very loosely. So you don't know, where you're, you don't know that you're going to end up in that range of the draft, like ever. That's number one. Number two, very clearly, the owner is tired of, of the back and forth at quarterback. And, and I do think, uh, given that reality and the, the reality of where they're drafting uh, in terms of draft slot, I think the opportunity is too great. I think you have to do it now. So I, I don't think it's likely. I'm not ruling it out, but I think it's a very, very, very small chance of it happening just because it's just too compelling the opportunity and the uniqueness of it is too compelling for them to not do it right now couldn't agree more so to piggyback off that i'm not saying for the colts but i am curious of this and i know he's a wonderful talent but i saw yesterday that aaron Rodgers now says he's going to take another he's doing some weird you know trip somewhere (laughs) where he sits in the dark for four days and to the point of hallucination to clear his head that's cool. He's gonna take mushrooms, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, <laughs> like. I mean, he, he's done it before. Has he talked about this before? So, well, my my question is anyway, this: sorry. like, he's under contract, right? I mean, I, I, your point, yes. I mean, I, I totally agree with you, right? Like, who knows what this guy? You know what I mean? He, he's a Berkeley dude, right? But, but he's under contract. Is he his? Is he going to eccentricity his way out of teams having interest in getting his services towards the end number one and number two he's under contract like why why does he have this decision 
I think that's a great point. Uh, he does. He has carried himself like <laughs> like he has all the cards here. <laughs> There's no question about it. I, I think he has. I think it's actually an indication of of how much he has worn the Packers down, though. He's worn them down so much that he apparently is working under the assumption that <laughs> that they're sick of me and and they're not gonna they're not gonna put up with this anymore. I, I mean, cause it, it does feel that way, right? I mean, uh, he is he has not it seems entertained i haven't heard anything from him entertaining the the option of like coming back to the packers if he plays i mean has he even said anything remotely close to that i i don't recall it well i just think it's uh, odd the whole like you know i'll decide if i'm gonna play next year and if so like where i'm gonna play like what do you mean where you're gonna play? like you know i'm steven i'm not gonna lie to you i'm gonna take this weekend I'm going to think about whether or not I want to do a radio show next week. And then if so, I'll let you know where it's going to be. What? I have a contract. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's exactly what he's doing. That's exactly what he's doing. I don't know. Uh, yeah, he just it's a very strange thing. Look, at the, I would say this. The Packers have to be exhausted. You know, I'm exhausted. It doesn't have anything to do with me. Like, every year, man. Every year. I mean, they these, these guys... The front office, the head coach, had to fly out to California and kiss the ring for him to deem him, deem them with his presence. And it's like, that's exhausting, man. Come on. You know, I, I would be over it. I, I think the Packers fans, there's a fair amount of Packers fans who seem to be over it, too. And, and frankly, they, you know, I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers is washed. I am not saying that. But, I mean... He wasn't good enough to make the difference in that team, you know, the way he has in the past this year. Um, he, he really has been a guy who he's carried that team a number of years. There have been a number of years where he has carried that team. He was not able to do that this year, which I think is also telling. Can you imagine playing for the same franchise as Brett Favre and and somehow, sur- like Brett Favre? somehow surpassing him as the most dramatic off-field quarterback in franchise history? What the hell is Brett Favre doing here? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. Last year, he started looking like Jets' Brett Favre, or you know, maybe yeah. times like late Vikings, yeah. and I think that's pretty concerning too. Um, Stephen, last one for me, and I guess kind of on this front, and again, I, I couldn't agree more. When you have the opportunity with the fourth overall pick, you've done this song and dance the last handful of years. You, you have to take advantage of that. Having said that, you know the Colts could, and I would understand it um i think it's debatable whether you start the rookie from day one whether you don't start the rookie from day one right you threw out an interesting veteran name that i think if matt ryan wasn't the name or wasn't the qb here this past season he very well could have been the starter um in one of your latest pieces on espn.com as just a potential landing spot for some of these free agent quarterbacks and i thought your explanation made some sense you you mind sharing what you said about Jameis winston Yeah, uh, well, first of all, the reality is uh, they were deep in talks with Jameis Winston before Matt Ryan became available. And, and it's my understanding that, that Jameis was, was Frank Reich's choice if they had to pick from among that group of, of you know, sort of second-tier quarterbacks you know, that were available. Yeah. And I'm talking about, like, Mariota, uh, Jameis, et cetera, that group. Uh, Jameis was, was, I think, the guy Frank Reich preferred. I don't know what Chris Ballard's preference was. But anyhow, that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is, number one, or no, number two, I should say, the, you know, the money, I think, would be reasonable 
that's for sure. And then lastly, honestly, I think that the the ability of Jameis or his strength really is to throw the ball down the field. And and what was missing most from this offense in in 2022? They had no ability to stretch the field, like none. And I don't know how accurate Jameis Winston is, but at least the threat is there, and and that helps Jonathan Taylor. I mean, think about what you might have been able to do with Jonathan Taylor this year. You know, had he had he had you know, some, some ability to uh, to get to back guys off the, the line of scrimmage. He didn't have that. I mean, they were crowding, defenses were crowding the line of scrimmage, and they didn't have the ability to back them off because they had no threat of throwing down the field. So it's not ideal, and, and I'm not promising you that it works, <laughs> but, uh, but I do think you could see a scenario where if you play good defense and – and, and, you know, you have at least, you know, some, some explosiveness in your offense and, and run the ball well, you know, you could see a scenario where that could be workable. And I, and I think that's, that's kind of where they're going to be. They have to have some sort of veteran here um, to, to take the pressure off the rookie. I think, I think sticking him in there and just assuming he's going to play day one, I think it's never a good idea. If it happens, it happens. But don't don't just proceed as though that's going to be the case, in my opinion. And again, the assumption Matt Ryan, Nick Foles won't be wearing Colts jerseys in September here, 2023. All right, Stephen, um, does the nightly drink intake alter at all right now, considering that we're kind of waiting for this white smoke, or are you under the impression that, yeah, I'm good till Monday? Um, well, I, I prob- first of all, I just got home from Las Vegas, so I, I probably don't need to drink, but... Um, yeah, I think we're good for a few days. I, I didn't, I, I didn't get the sense the last time I talked to people that there was anything imminent. And then that was before Ursay's tweet or retweet and tweet. And so I think they're definitely signaling to us that, like, hey, sit tight. I mean, there is the whole notion that the NFL doesn't. They kind of frown upon major announcements on Super Bowl week. We're now at Wednesday of Super Bowl week. Roger Goodell has a big press conference today. That's going to be the the big headline of the day. I mean, by by the time we get to the end of Super Bowl week, unless it leaks out, they're not announcing anything. I can tell you that, like, almost for sure. Right. So I don't anticipate anything. No. Hey, did you go see Carrot Top in Vegas? I, I didn't God, know. He that... looks awful. You you were right, Jake. Oh, it's unbelievable. He and Madonna, like, there's some guy sailing <laughs> the world on a, yacht, a plastic surgeon. Like, hell yeah. I heard Stephen had some success on the tables. So, okay, yeah, I, I did not go see Carrot Top because I was too busy uh, winning lots of money at Blackjack and then and then giving it all back uh, in the subsequent days because that's how it works. Yeah. Well, I would like to know this, Stephen. Shelbyville or Anderson, if you really want to keep, 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 keep going. <laughs> I, I would like know. to know which is a more exhilarating high in a nightclub. Winning Blackjack in Las Vegas or being accompanied by yours truly to see Too Short at the Vogue? Oh, I mean, now, I mean, that's pretty close, isn't it? Wouldn't you say? <laughs> uh, let's not feed the ego any more than it needs to be fed here, Stephen. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a pretty good show, I will say. It was cool. Hey, maybe that oxygen from Vegas is getting to Stephen a bit <laughs> in the uh, old casino. I'm, I'm jet-lagged, I'm jet-lagged. Well, how long were you in Vegas, Stephen? He was a pro bowler, Dude, right? I was in Vegas for like six days, which is yeah, insane. that's that's, that's double the many days. Yeah, that's Way double the many. max. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was working. Don't get me wrong. I wrote a lot of stories. Like I actually worked, right? 
but there's 24 hours in a day, man. And I was like, get me out of here. I got to go home. Yeah. <laughs> Six days in Vegas, so, yeah. you should get a you know free trip to somewhere to relax for that penance that you served out there. Uh, Steven, thank you for the time. We'll probably see you here soon. All right, guys. Talk to you soon. Steven Holder right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. I think we've talked about this, Kevin. What's the longest? You, like, if you were going to do a Vegas trip. Yeah. Two, two nights, three days. Yeah, the issue is that first day, though, is such a tease because you take the 8 a.m. flight out out of here, you land at 8 a.m. local time, you're, you're, you're hit with a gong in the face by about 4 p.m. Yeah. I think it's probably a Thursday night flight, fly back Sunday. That's fair. I, it, you do Thursday little, morning, you, you got to look in the mirror. A little goes a long way, man. Oh. Especially out there. Well, yeah. In multiple facets. Um, all right, Dustin DePerrot going to join us here in a few to talk more. Pacers trade deadline and they're uh, back in action tonight in Miami against the Heat. Uh, let's do a morning checkdown. The morning checkdown brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at ballstatesports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Hey, we'll start out with the cards. Chirp, chirp. Getting the win last night on the road. Four in a row now for Ball State as Michael Lewis's guys are 17-7 and seven overall, 8-3 and three in the max, 65-51 over Central Michigan. It was Mickey Pearson Jr. with 13, Jalen Sellers, Demarius Jacobs, 12 points each as the Cards get the 14-point win. Also, Butler, as I had adamantly predicted and insisted yesterday, 68-66 over the Johnnies of St. John's. Dogs now 12-13. and 13. They snap a five-game losing streak last night. And then... Indiana gets a big one in Bloomington. In Bloomington, yes, yeah, 66-60. The uh, drought against Rutgers is over. Trace Jackson Davis, outstanding per usual. 20-18, and 18, six assists. Miller Cop with a little show bump. He had 18 points. Some nice defensive plays from him as well. But a really important win. You know, we mentioned this earlier. You know, last year, IU gets a big win over Purdue. The court storming, the fantasy, all that emotion. Then lay, they lay a huge egg in the next outing at home against a bad Michigan team. Last night, they play a team that was second in the Big Ten, and they were able to beat them. So now Indiana is tied for second in the Big Ten. Uh, they are 8-5. and five. They have won 7-8. of eight. Here was Mike Woodson on the W. Tonight was another team effort. Uh, thought everybody that played helped gut this game out. That team plays hard, man. And, you know, we couldn't really get nothing going down the stretch from an offensive standpoint in terms of movement. We became stagnant. And somehow I got to help us when we get in that – getting that rut Um, but our defense was solid and we just kept grinding and grinding and we got stops when we needed it we could have done better on the boards uh, because we we were off on that area we knew coming into the game I mean rebounding and not turning it over against their pressure will allow us to stay in the game or win the game and I thought we did a pretty good job in that area. Jake, it's not often a team has a over eight-minute scoring drought in the second half of a Big Ten game and win it, but Indiana found a way last night. And like to kick some ass. <laughs> Was that the cameo to Maddie? Yeah. Can we hear that again, please? Let's kick some ass. <laughs> there we go. Um, he was pissed at halftime last night. It was great. Him, Trace, Jackson, uh, Trace Jackson Davis, 2,000 points in his career now, and as we talked about, Get him a secondary fiddle, somebody to run along with and score some points. It was Miller Cop's point last night, as you had mentioned, Kevin. Pacers in action tonight, taking on the Heat. Heat coming with a two-game losing streak. That game in Miami, 7-30 
tip tonight. And then as we talked about most of the morning, LeBron James now the all-time leading scorer in NBA history. Um, thank you, Mark. That's what that was I'm a nice for. little. Uh, that was a great shot. A little step back off the left foot there, kind of Dirk like almost. Do you guys? Did you watch it last night live, Mark? Yeah, I did not stay up. I, I was watching the game a little bit, and I was like, he had like eight points in the first quarter. I'm like, ah, it's already almost eleven. I think I'm gonna turn in. Boy, when he turned it on there in the third quarter, I was like, thank the Lord, now I can go to bed. I knew he was gonna get it though because he had the headphones with the number on it. I'm like, I don't care if the Lakers are getting blown up by like 25. He's going to break oh, the record. Oh, he had throwback tonight. headband. He had it. Honestly, yeah. the only person that was going to stop LeBron last night from breaking the record Thomas was Bryant. Russell Westbrook. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Westbrook this, hit Kareem right in, the, right in the chest with a nice pass. Reminds me of I had two buddies that went to an Orlando Magic game once. They were in Orlando like in 1988, 89, something like that. They're like, oh, let's go to the Magic game. And they flash up on the video boards like Scott Skiles is one assist away from the all time NBA record. And I think it was Donald Royal he passed to like three straight trips down the floor that like wouldn't shoot the ball and people were just going ballistically like you know ballistic upset. He eventually got the record in the game. But yeah, that's Russell. There were a couple of trips down the floor. We're like, dude, what are you doing? Which is typically the case with Westbrook these days. All right, we come back. Dustin Apirak covers the Pacers for the Indianapolis Star. We are less than thirty six hours away from the NBA trade deadline. He's chatted with Kevin Pritchard here recently. What activity, if any, does he see from the Pacers? We'll ask him that next. 93.5-1075, The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Tonight, it will be the final game before... The 3 o'clock trade deadline. I do appreciate a 3 o'clock trade deadline. You don't have to wait till like midnight. Yeah, it's better than the midnight. Correct. So 3 o'clock Thursday. If I remember correctly, the Oladipo to Houston, James Harden, Karis LeVert, all of that. That happened really close to the deadline a couple of years back. We'll see if the Pacers get involved with anything here in the next day or so to chat more about that from the Indianapolis Star. He is Dustin DePirac. Dustin, I, I want to start here. I think any time you kind of evaluate a team at the deadline, particularly one that is, you know, you could probably make cases for both sides of buyer, seller, probably fall somewhere in the middle. You kind of look at where do they have a lot and where do they not have as much. So if I threw that to you, where do the Pacers you feel like have a surplus and where do you feel like they need help? Uh, they've got a surplus at the backup five. Um, and uh, on some level, they need to at least try to move somebody, I think, out of that uh, situation. I mean, I, I, on some level, all three of their backup centers, Daniel Tice, uh, Isaiah Jackson, and Jalen Smith, gave them, gave them something a little bit different. Uh, you know, Jackson and Davis are kind of, or J- I'm sorry, uh, Jackson and Smith are kind of similar body types. Um, but, you know, Smith, I think, has a little bit better touch around the rim. He's a little bit of a better outside shooter, even though he hasn't done a great job at that. And he's probably a little bit of a better rebounder. Uh, but Jackson's a better you know, floor runner and better rim protector. Um, so there's some slight differences there, but I think they ultimately want to keep those guys and just sort of find out what each of them have. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised to see them move Daniel Tyson. I think that might be a reason why he's getting so many minutes right now anyway. Um, but if they kept him, I mean, they could live with it because there is something that he gives them that they don't. I mean, just as a wider body, you know, sort of 
you know, big muscular guy, sets bone rattling screens, you know, boxes people out. I mean, he's still figuring out his, uh, you know, what he's doing uh, with this team. But obviously, you've seen him be valuable for, um, you know, for playoff teams in the past. Was was with the Celtics through the finals last year. Um, so he's a piece that they could move just to sort of pick up something. Um, and the area, obviously, they're missing. That they that they need uh, is power forward. Um, you know, obviously in the starting lineup, they, they Aaron Deese missed the three. Obviously, was playing the four. I mean, he does play more physical uh, than anybody else. Really, they they've put in that spot, um, and I, I think plays above his. 6'5 size, but he's still 6'5, and it's causing them some issues on the glass. I mean, I guess he, the, the guy really does get after him on the board, so I don't like to talk about him like he's a bad rebounder or anything like that, but it's just, it, there's just only so much you can do in the NBA when you're 6'5 when it comes to just grabbing stuff off the glass. Um, and the fact that he only averages right around four rebounds a game um, is an issue, and it's part of the reason why I think they're about 25th, 26th in defensive rebounding. Uh, I think it was 25th when I wrote a story on Sunday, and it might have gone up or it might have gone down, but the bottom line is, is they, they're, they're, they're not finishing enough possessions. Uh, that there are times they're doing a good job of defending the first shot uh, and not doing a great job of keeping them off the glass and keeping teams away from second-chance points. So they need rebounding, and they could really use it from the power-forward spot. Uh, the question is where they go after it now um, as they're sort of heading towards, you know, 10th, 11th in lottery position. Um when you know what, what's what's the ultimate upside for this group, and what are you willing to trade to get to that? Um, but on that basis, you know what do you need? You need a power forward. What, what can you afford to lose? You, you know what, what could you really need? You know what would help you to get rid of? It's sort of clearing out that logjam at the backup five. I guess the question I would have, Dustin, would be this, and that is, of the players the Pacers are willing to move, give me the three that actually have the highest value on the market? Uh, Buddy Heald, Chris Duarte, and I guess Tice. I'm trying to think of um, who else. You know, know, obviously they're not moving Halliburton. They're not moving Matherin. uh, They're not moving Turner now that he had that, uh, you know, that, that extension. Obviously his deal technically allows you to, but uh, by going out and having a press conference saying, look how great this is that we signed Miles Turner, and then obviously asking Greg, answering Greg, Greg Goh's question by saying, we don't sign a guy to trade a guy. You know, you have, Turner's off the market, and, um, you know, again, you, you just you can't have that big press conference and move him. Um, so, you know, those guys are off the market, and I can't imagine they would move Andrew Nemhart. I think they want to see what they've not see what they've got with him, but I think they're really proud of themselves for getting him um, and, and like what he brings to the table. So I'd be really surprised they moved a guy like him. I'd be surprised they moved Aaron Neesmith. I think they really like what they're getting from him as well, uh, especially um, with with that deal. So I think those guys are pretty much off uh, just on the basis of their youth and whatnot. So, I mean, I think he'll still get you something. Um, I, I think he still gets you a good bit. Obviously, the guy's leading the league in three-pointers. He's He's 30, so he's not crazy old. And, you know, you know what you're getting from Buddy. You, know, you can't make him the centerpiece of your entire offense. Um, but, you know, he can still get you buckets. And, you know, obviously the question on a place where he fits, if he if you put him in an unstable situation, I don't know if that's going to be very good for him. But if you find a team that really likes him and appreciates him and, and a chemistry of guys he gets along with, he can be really valuable for him, for you. But they also they, they also like him where he is. I mean, I don't, I'm sure that they're willing to listen to offers and, and willing to, you know, entertain 
uh, you know, uh, basically a package where they could get something really good uh, for him and some other guys. But I, they're not rushing to get rid of him. Um, you know, they are happy with what he's produced. They like what the chemistry he brings with with Tyrese, and uh, you know, all of that's important. So if they're going to move him. Uh, it would take a lot. But I, mean, I think Duarte still gets you something, even though he's had his struggles coming off the ankle injury. Um, you know, obviously averaged 13 a game last year. I think he's still, you know, still young at 25, still a valuable player. Uh, so I think you got to get something for him. Um, and yeah, no, I think, I think, I think Tice is kind of, is kind of the next one. I think those three, you know, especially as veterans. Uh, you know, CJ McConnell is another one. I think if, if you need specifically that, if you, if you need a second team point guard, you know, obviously they could move him and move Andrew Nemhart into that position. Uh, and put you know him more on the ball uh, offensively, uh, but you know McConnell has been just super productive for them, especially during the period where where Halliburton was out. Uh, much as they lost those games, I mean McConnell really performed uh, really well, and you could see that he could still do what he does, uh, you know, very well, be able to get to the rim, hit short jumpers, um, and facilitate, and you know, defend people get steals in the backcourt, just do T.J. McConnell things, uh, there is still some value for that. So if somebody really wants that, uh, you know, that's you know, that's a guy I think that would, would have at least some level of value. You're going to laugh when I say this, both you guys. You ready to call me crazy here? I can't wait. I've been waiting for this all morning. <laughs> not, not that there are people knocking down the door for him. Don't get me wrong. I think the Pacers consider T.J. McConnell in the category of Matherin, Halliburton, etc. And I don't mean in terms of talent, future, whatever else, but in terms of untouchable. Am I crazy, Dustin? Like, I really believe that Kevin Pritchard really values what TJ McConnell brings to them. That is high praise. Yeah, I, I, I don't think you're crazy. The untouchable part, because, I mean, Matherin and Halliburton are a level of untouchable. Like, those are their I, I get it. I mean, I, I get it. Someone offers you a lottery pick I'm tomorrow, just saying, you're going to do it. I think he yeah. is more in the we'd rather not pile than he is in the make us an offer pile. He's definitely in the we'd rather not pile. That, that I would agree with you with. Um, and I, I, I mean, again, he's performed really, really well. I, mean, I think you've seen just how much he still has left in the tank um, in the last couple of weeks. Again, it wasn't enough to get him a win, and so I think that's the reason why you wouldn't call him untouchable. Um, he only got him one win. I obviously in that entire stretch, Halliburton was out, but man, he really did so many good, so many things well. Uh, and you know, basically, when he's um, they haven't really operated a full second unit since Halliburton was out, even if he's come back, it hasn't been you know all five you know guys from the bench on the on the floor at the same time, but did a really good job with that second unit. Uh, you know, before Tyrese got hurt, um, so that there's just been so many things he's done well this year. And again, you just see that he's got so much left. And when he wants to get down, it, it's remarkable just just how if he really wants to get to his shot, he gets it. <laughs> you know, and like you you look at him and you, you just think of him as limited on some level. But when like when he wants to get to the rim or get to the paint, um, he's so effective at it. I mean, he, he's he's good at beating his man to his spots, um, and you know that's valuable. And obviously, uh, is really good at setting guys up. And you know, again, gets you how many loose balls a night, whether it's a steal in the backcourt or a long rebound or something like that. I mean, like that's really important. And you know, keeps those. It does a good job of just keeping morale up. Um, so yeah, I mean, they, it, it would have to be part of a much bigger offer. Uh, it, you know, you have to get somebody very real for him. Um, again, they see a lot of value in him. I think he's a guy that, that obviously they think that that can be a part. Um, you know, just be a part of their core. I mean, Rick Carlisle absolutely loves him. Yeah, we'll just just. And, and he's one of several of those guys that Carlisle discusses about. And so, yeah, I, I, he, he is not a guy that they are looking to get rid of, that's for sure. 
Yeah, love and appreciation and untouchable. I, uh, yeah, I, I think those are got to be two different things. Again, Dustin Dupirak with us here, Indianapolis Star. Dustin, you you know were at the Miles Turner press conference. You've chatted with Kevin Pritchard, you know, recently about the trade deadline. Do you get the vibe that the goalposts have moved a bit from wins and losses don't matter at the start of the year to now? Oh, we are starting to win. That's going to impact what we do at the trade deadline. 100%. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it, it, he said that the you know, one line he used was, I'm, I'm just so bullish on our guys. And he did say, I, I am looking at this team a lot different than I was in October. Um, you know, that's not the exact worded, wording or whatever. But do you think he, that's more individual pieces or wins related? Um, both. I mean, he, he also did say, like, this isn't going to be our best team. Um, you know, I, I think that's something that, that's another thing he said was that, you know, we're not looking at this as this team has to win right now. Um, and, you know, we're not looking at this as, as you know, we, we've, we've got to go all out. We've got to go throw something for this team because it has to have its best chance to maximize its position. Um, I, I, it's more of a sense of, I have more, I have more of what I'm going to need than I expected to. And we're further along in the rebuilding process than we expected to be, but we're not necessarily in the place where it makes sense to go all out for this year, because what are you going all out for? You know, what's your ceiling? And, and right now, right now it looks like your ceiling is to get into a playoff series, um, just to get to one. And it's like, okay, like if you're not going to be able to win a round, if you know, winning the play in and, and ending up in the eight and playing the Celtics is your best case scenario. What's that worth? Uh, and, and are you willing to trade anything that is going to matter for your future? Um, and for, for that prospect, when you could start thinking about next year and the year after and the year after, and, and, you know, what are the pieces that you want to be there for that? Uh, that's, I think where he is, is the sense of like, you know, if, if you can get this team into a play in game, there's value. I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to act like there's not value, but there's only so much, and, it, and it's so it's it's a scenario where like you're you're certainly not trading for somebody that has an expiring deal, and you know it's not like in baseball where it's like man this team just really needs a lefty reliever. You got to be willing to trade a you know uh, rookie or you know one of your top five prospects to go get one because this is how far you can get. Um, you know they're they're not there. It's you know like. I mean, I could see. I don't think that I don't think they're going to go after John Collins for other reasons. But you know, like uh, somebody that has uh, some time left on his contract, and you could say, okay, well, that's going to be a piece for you going forward. Like if you go get that person, it fills the you know hole that you're missing, and that's going to be a core piece for you as you as you you know get closer to being a championship team. Um, you know that that's the thing that, that obviously they would be willing to do, but they, they wouldn't go. You know you're not getting a rental is the point. Um, you know, this, this team doesn't need rentals. That's, it's not going to go far enough for it to make sense for them to trade anything of value for a guy that they're going to lose. My, my prediction, if they make a move, it is actually the surplus of number ones that they use to sweeten the pot Yeah, to move somebody and then upgrade that position. That's mm-hmm. my prediction. Yeah, because no, I think that they feel like Dustin, they've got good positioning. You know, because those two number ones they have from Boston and Cleveland are going to be late, and then they got Houston's first round pick, first second round pick, if that makes sense. Got like um, four in the top thirty-two. Correct. Right now. So like they've got three picks between twenty-five and thirty-five. I'll bet they unload one or two of them. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, Kevin Frazier went so far as to say is that he, he said we, we almost certainly won't bring in four rookies um, because they're young enough as is. Um, and it, it's just he, the, the phrase he used, and it's, it's a little gruesome, but, you know, to get to his point, it makes sense. He says when you have so many young guys that kind of cannibalize each other. Um, and, and he's right. I mean, I think you, you just see what's happening with between Smith and Jackson right now. Um, you know, having two 22, 21-year-old guys uh, at the same spot where you already have a starter, you know, again, you're you're trying to figure out what to do with uh, 18 minutes a game, and even before Tice came back, I mean, they were basically alternating that. You know, so like one of those guys who they, you know, really believe in and think have bright futures um, is 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 getting a DNP on you know basically every other night. Um, so they they have a logjam there already, and it's like, okay, well, what else? Who who else are you bringing in that's going to be in in a similar position? You know, you could, you know, you're, you're starting to get a bunch of young wings, you know, when you've got Duarte and you've got, you know, Matherin and, 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 and obviously they, they do need more, um, their, their needs, again, I think they need more power forward. Uh, you know, they, they, I think they could use another, you know, high scoring, high usage, you know, high usage, usage wing. Uh, I think they, they, I think they just need another top player, uh, basically to be a part of this thing. I just think there's, there's just a little bit more talent to be, to be part of this core. Um, but you do run the risk of, okay, well, you know, when's that guy coming off the floor you know when, when how are you getting this guy minutes if you have to play this guy um they're not too far in the future for that especially with with the young guys and they could easily you know find some uh players stuck on the bench and they've you know they've already had talented players you know go go but the top that was what a first round pick and they're gonna have to move him um because he's not getting any minutes at all um so you know if, if you bring in another surplus on, on top of what they already have you know with all the guys they already have on the team they have five six guys that are you know 23 or younger uh might be more than that then you know you you are really running the risk of of you know having guys not be able to get minutes when they need time to develop. I mean, you might you know be sending way too many guys down to Fort Wayne. Um, so they are, I think, certainly willing to move uh, move those picks, uh, particularly the Cleveland and the Boston pick. I think um, I think you know obviously they look at those as first rounders. They think they'll be valuable. You know, again, the issue is going to be that Cleveland and Boston are going to be bottom ten uh, draft picks by the time it's all said and done uh, in the first round. So they're only going to be so valuable. Valuable, but I think they absolutely are going to look to move them. But, you know, he, he said he, again. Pritchard said I can't imagine we'll bringing in four rookies, so I just don't think they will. And one of those is going to move at some point, whether it's now or before the draft. Tonight, it's a seven thirty tip from Miami Pacers. Last I saw, six and a half point underdog. You know, Kyle Lowry, no Victor Oladipo, who Dustin knows well from the IU beat back in his days, and then of course the trade deadline tomorrow at three o'clock. Dustin, good luck with the news cycle here over the next 24, 36 hours. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Dustin Apirak right there from the Indianapolis Star on the Payless Liquors Hotline. We'll continue the Pacers trade deadline conversation. Look back at Indiana's victory last night over Rutgers and some Colts head coaching search as well. Kevin and Query here on a Wednesday. I was uh, just asked a very interesting question regarding the Colts and Frank Reich, Kevin, which I'll get to in a moment. But I, I have a bit of a conundrum that I need people to weigh in on. You ready for this? Sure. The Pacers G League team, the Fort Wayne Mad Ants, right? In baseball, if you are the Pittsburgh Pirates, well, you're a Reds fan, right? Yeah. So you take a Reds player, if they've been, they go to the minor leagues, what do you say? They've been sent what? Sent down. Okay, correct. So for the Pacers, if their G League team, which is essentially their minor league team, can we agree with that, right? 
Yeah. If you get sent to Fort Wayne, you get sent what? Yeah, I would say you get sent down as well. I know geographically you're technically don't sent you up by 69, but... Right. Like, do you have to drive up to Fort Wayne to get sent down? I, I would think there are some Major League Baseball teams that probably have their AAA affiliate that are located north of their MLB team, and I think they still use the phrase sent down. I understood, except for that because Fort Wayne's in the same state, anytime anybody from Indianapolis goes to Fort Wayne, they say, I went up to Fort Wayne yesterday. I drove up to Fort Wayne. I had to go up to Fort Wayne for this. Yeah, some people are so bad at geography, they probably have no idea. Very simple query rule. You ready? If you were going a bordering state or within two, you go. You are going over two. If, actually, if you're going to a border state, you're going over two. If it's north, it's up. If it's south, it's down. If you're going more than one state, you're going out two. So, like, you go over to Illinois, you go out to Missouri. Right? Uh, I just say I'm going to Missouri. You're going down to, to Kentucky, you go up to Michigan, right? But then Fort Wayne, these are the th- this is why I haven't slept. These things keep me awake at night. We come back, we'll get to the Pacers trade deadline. Um, again, Indiana, an important win question. yesterday over Rutgers. People Seven are driving in their car. They're saying, that guy thinks like I do. For Mike Woodson's Hoosiers. He's and equally neurotic. Coming up on the pop quiz, we'll give away two to Ball State. They won again last night. Michael Lewis chirp, teams chirp. playing pretty good basketball. That's up in Muncie. And so we'll give away those tickets coming up for the pop quiz at 9.30. Kevin and Quarry here on what looks to be another nice start to this Wednesday morning. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's the 9 o'clock hour in Indianapolis. Technically, it's the 9 o'clock hour everywhere in the Eastern Time Zone. My name is Jay Query. Kevin Bowen here as well. Mark Dykton, man in the controls. That's Kevin and Query, the uh, now top 15th ranked middle market uh, FM station between 100 and 108 on a dial in uh, the top country. Top 15 sounds better than just saying 15th, right? Kristen Airy texted us yesterday, congrats on being top 15. I mean, we could be 11th for all yeah. we know, right? I kind of like Chris's. Well, he, that was a good okay. PR spin he, on it. I look at it this way, though. If you look at the, the, the shows that were in front of us, you got Birmingham, Cleveland, Charlotte, Buffalo, Kansas City, Oklahoma, Oklahoma City. I mean, what are they talking about? Well, that was a big night for them. They got Please, a nice, Thunder, don't leave us. They got, they got a big win last night. You know, that Cowboy Hall of Fame, I personally think Roy Rogers is his year. I mean, is that what they're talking about? Nashville, Pittsburgh, Baton Rouge. They probably are not going over it's the a, rankings it's a family and analyzing program. every city. Baltimore, Milwaukee, Kansas City, and St. Louis. So Kansas City twice, that, they, they cancel out. That moves us to 14th right there, right? Did you say you had a Frank Reich-related comment? Frank Reich, um, on the third-ranked mid-market radio program in the morning in Charlotte, they're probably discussing Frank Reich. And this question was posed to me, and it's a good one. If you had to put your 401k right now 
on either of the of two slots, which one would you go with? Who makes the playoffs first? The Indianapolis Colts or Frank Reich? Yeah, I'd probably go Panthers. I mean, hell, they almost made it last year. Certainly the same thing can't be said about the Colts. And the NFC South is just one of the most godforsaken quarterback divisions you'll ever see. It's unbelievable. I mean, honestly, does any team in the NFC South have a starter next year? Mark, will you look up if Darnold's under contract? I'm pretty sure he's not. So, Jake, if you were to look at the under-contract quarterbacks, Marcus Mariota, not under contract. Jameis Winston, not under contract. The best under-contract quarterback in the NFC South is... Desmond Ritter? Yeah, Sam Darnold's a free agent. P.J. Walker? Yeah, yeah. I mean... Now, Derek Carr visited, or is visiting, or did visit it? Visit, did visit, or is visiting New Orleans? I think that's where he's going to end up, right? Isn't that kind of the thought process? Get a mutual... Thing there so the they Raiders. invited him for a visit, uh, and the Raiders have granted permission for that to happen. The plan is for him to visit today. Got it. Um, so there could be a stop for Derek Carr, um, but I would go with Frank Reich on that one. I I do think this, Jake. Are we a little premature in crowning Jacksonville as going to be the best team in the AFC South for the next half dozen years? I mean, anything can happen. Uh, especially Obviously, once- they're trending in a really nice direction, but... A little too early to just crown them as like, boom, they are here to stay for X amount of years. But based on their, you know, their record wasn't like, where did they finish in terms of the AFC and record? In other words, how what will their schedule be next year? Well, they won the division, so they'll right, play so that, all the first place teams in the yeah, okay. AFC. From I was thinking it goes year. by where you rank. I mean, if they lose week 17, they don't make the playoffs. Right. It's not like they won going away. I mean, they have, but but Kevin, they have the answer and solidarity at the most important position in sports. Without a doubt, and he certainly took a huge step forward. I just, I don't know if I look at them and say, pencil them in for 12 wins well, for the next I, but, five, six years. But I think you do, here, here's the thing. They have a tough opponent. I'm looking at their opponents real quick. Oof. Understood, but here is the thing. They have more... Okay, they have fewer questions about themselves than the other teams in the AFC South, right? Definitely. In the in the NFC with Carolina... There's no Jacksonville equivalent in the NFC South. And this is the other thing. Like, where is the wild card opening in the AFC? Yeah. I mean, if Kansas City wins their division, you still have the Chargers in that division vying for a wild card. If Cincinnati wins their division, you still have Baltimore and Pittsburgh vying for a wild Miami card. Miami just made the playoffs. Yeah, if my if if Buffalo wins their division, you got Miami vying for a wild card. In the NFC, I, I mean the NFC East maybe, but I, you know it just there's Mark, Mark there seems to be a lot more talent or or. or middle pack balance in the AFC. Yeah. It's a conversation we had last year. I've never seen the AFC this deep. And you could argue it's only really grown after last year because you know I remember a conversation we had this time last year was arguably the two worst teams in the AFC last season, 2021, you would say were Jacksonville and the Jets. Well, they both were playing with quarterbacks drafted one or two overall. Yeah. So the conversation was, what would happen if either of those two quarterbacks took a step forward, a la what we saw with Peyton Manning from 3-13 and to 13-3? and Well, Zach Wilson didn't sniff it, but Trevor Lawrence sure as hell did. So that, I think, is a reminder of... Is Zach Wilson out of 
Does he get a second shot somewhere? Or is this it? Oh, I think he'll, yeah, I think he'll still get another shot. I mean, hell, if Carson Wentz got as many shots as he did and, you know, even Tannehill got a second shot. Yeah, I, I know that Wilson's play probably definitely wasn't at the Wentz level early in Philly, but I think he'll get some sort of chance. I was saying in the break, if if and when Rodgers gets traded from the NFC, give me your top five NFC quarterbacks next year. It's wild. Boy. Especially with Brady retiring. Got to start with Jalen Hurts, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Prescott? Yeah, I put Dak up there. Stafford? If he returns... Oh, he was banged up last year. Stafford so before, slash maybe. Kyler Murray? Oof. <laughs> and that's top three? That's like top three. You're debating top three already. I mean, again, more to fill. Jared Goff after what he did oh, last Daniel year? Daniel Jones? Do you see what he might be getting in a deal? I, 35 I, to $37 million? I don't know if I'm ready to go there yet. Kirk Cousins? Daniel Jones. Mm. I think I'd go golf before I'd go Cousins or Jones. Okay. Um, the fourth string guy for the Niners? Seriously. I mean, hell, the Niners' third string quarterback might be better than five different NFC team starters, right? Mm-hmm. Which is crazy to say, but that's the reality. Healthy, that's why I think the a debate... healthy Garoppolo? Yeah, the debate with... Is Frank Reich's Panthers going to make the playoffs first or the Colts? It's got to be the Panthers. Yeah, yeah. Without question. I would agree. Um, So, yesterday, Brian Flores to the Vikings as their defensive coordinator. Uh, This takes away a finalist in Arizona. So, right now, it's Indy and Arizona, the two head coach openings. Arizona has Mike Kafka on their finalist list. The Giants offensive coordinator, Patrick Mahomes, is former QB coach. And then Lou... Anarumo, the Bengals defensive coordinator. Okay. So neither of those finalists in Arizona have been finalists here. Kafka did interview here, but did not interview a second time. So again, if we look at the four other openings this cycle, outside of D'Amico Ryan's, and there's obviously reasons why he took that Houston job. I don't really think the Colts were that seriously interested in any of the candidates. Yeah, not a lot of cross-pollination, you mean, among candidates? Yeah, and maybe Sean Payton was a little bit more of the Colts doing on that Better job, Colts or Cardinals? Um, What's a better job? Uh I'd say the Colts, because at least you get your pick of quarterback, whereas with the Cardinals, you're stuck with Kyler. And you have to actually like him, which apparently has been the... The hard thing to convince coaches. Very good point. I, yeah. I, think I mean, don't they have the third overall pick? I believe that's... I so, if they wanted to, again, financially, it would really hamstring them. But if they wanted to make some huge sacrifice, they could try and get rid of Kyler. I, I think that Arizona... the card, Doesn't Arizona just kind of seem like one of those franchises, though, that you're like, does is anybody... Is that really an NFL franchise? Like, do they have a serious fan base? You know yeah, what I mean? Just kind of is certainly a fair question. But but then they show up and they make these like weird runs every like eight years. Boy, it'd be a nice place to live. On the Shane Steichen front, and I don't know, Jake, do, does Jim Mercy's tweet yesterday indicate anything to you on days, not hours? Would you slot anyone else in the favorite group if you had to bet on anybody? No. I mean, I... When he says days, I, I I think the thing about like days, if I were to give you hours, ten dollars right now, who would you put that ten bucks on? You had to put all ten bucks on one. 
I mean, I've said Raheem Morris all along, but then I had the, I had the the vision, man, Aaron Glenn. It's one of those two. Yeah, I'm glad you've gone vision, not dream. <laughs> I wasn't. I I don't think I was necessarily in full REM sleep. I think I probably put the ten bucks on psych, and again, I'm not overwhelming with that thought, but. You know, his quarterback history, I think you have to really like that. Again, Philip Rivers, and by all accounts, Philip Rivers and Shane Steichen are extremely close still to this day. And knowing Philip Rivers, that dude's not hanging around with unintelligent human beings about the game of football. So you're going to get an extremely bright minded coach. And then you look at what he had after Rivers, Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts, two very, two obviously young quarterbacks. Two different style quarterbacks. That to me has got to be pretty attractive as well. If you want to maintain the defensive system currently in place, Shane Sykin and Gus Bradley worked together with the Chargers for four years. He was a college quarterback, Jake, at UNLV. So you you know that again, he's handled playing this position. I think there are definitely some reasons to like a lot of what Shane Sykin brings. I think anytime you've got like the super intellectual bright coach, there is that worry of like, can you connect with everybody? You know, it's not just, you know, crazy math inside of the quarterback room. You you do have to be the head coach. But I think given the Colts situation, there's a lot of reason to like do we what's there. Do we get caught up in association though? In other words, do we know that Shane Steichen's a really good coach, or are we thinking of him in association of he's kind of like Sirianni, who we should have kept? So that's who we you know we can't get yeah, Sirianni. I don't even know we if we can't like get that, Peyton though. Manning, so we got Jeff Saturday. We can't get Sirianni, so we're going to get Shane Steichen. We you know we we et cetera et cetera right? Yeah, I don't get the vibe that he is Sirianni personality, um, but to your point, Jake, I think we do that with every candidate. I mean, you, you look at everything. Correct. Glass, Oftentimes, guys are not hired based on who they are, but rather who they remind you of. It's glass half full or glass half empty. And a lot of it is just a 180 of what you previously had. I mean, if you look at Carolina's candidates, they went from, they went super young or uh, super offensive with, with a lot of their candidates. Um, you know, that was the, you know, stark contrast. Obviously, Denver, the higher they made. Houston was very young compared to what they went with Lovey Smith and, David Cawley each of the two previous years. Uh, but yeah, again, I don't feel uber confident with it, but if you were to say 10 bucks on one person right now, I'd probably go Steichen. Do you know where Shane Steichen went to college? Yeah. You do? Did you already say it? Uh-huh. Did you say it already? I thought I did. Maybe I didn't. Stephen Holder was just there, right? Correct. UNLV. Do you know the most famous quarterback to come out of UNLV? Or the most famous running back to come out of UNLV? Definitely not Shane Steichen. I think um, I think Scott Turner is an NFL coach that also a played very popular there. eagle, a very popular eagle. Mark, you got a guess? No, Randall Cunningham. That is correct. Nice. Do you know job, the running? Mark, do you know the running back, Mark? Is it Icky Woods? Look at the big what in the world, Mark? Mark well, UNLV knowledge is untouched. Gosh, who had thirty-eight in the nineteen eighty-seven Final Rebels. Four against Indiana and a ninety-seven ninety-three loss? LeBron James. I don't know. That'd be Armand Gillian. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't think UNLV. Uh, I'm not acting like Shane Steichen was some you know all Mountain West quarterback there for 
20 years, but certainly he's played that position. He's calling plays in the Super Bowl, and we'll see how the rest of the week plays out. Do you think, again, I want to reemphasize this point, though, Kevin. When, when I think a lot of people thought when, when Ursay came out and said this will be days, immediately people thought that it's got to be somebody who is currently in the Super Bowl. But while it is not forbidden, it is strongly suggested that teams not make an announcement Super Bowl week anyway, correct? Correct. Which is kind of and, a dumb thing, but whatever. And again, the agreed to terms announcement you saw Carolina do, you saw Denver do, but then they waited several days before Frank Reich and Sean Payton put pen to paper and then had their official press conferences. I don't think the Colts are going to go down that path. I think Chris Bauer has so much embarrassment and nightmarish thoughts about really, Josh McDaniels. You're big on that, right? Yeah. I think they will wait to make sure this is final, final, everything is good to go before they make an announcement. I mean, Jake, picture yourself in that organization. And for eight hours, Josh McDaniels' tweets were going out. Josh McDaniels on the face of your on your uh, website. You're sending out you know ticket forms with Josh McDaniels on it. And then he tells you no. You'd probably have some embarrassment still. You'd probably have some scar tissue about it. So I, I totally get why they're being so hesitant and not having the typical NFL announcement where you get the agreed to terms and then the press conference comes a few days later. I could be wrong on that, but that's that's my thought. I'll never forget getting that alert. I Josh say it was Daniels 11 a.m. in the morning. 11 a.m. in the morning, the announcement. He agreed to terms. Right. And then it's like seven o'clock yeah, that night. I was, I was gonna a, say just after dinner. I was at a park. Uh, my buddy Torian was playing in a parks rec league basketball game, and I was in the stands. And all of a sudden, I looked at him. Like, Man, my phone is just blowing up. Like, Wait a minute, what? Thanks, but no thanks. Okay. Wild, absolutely wild. Yeah, the YouTube chats commented. Yeah, I forgot that Kenny Main, ESPN Kenny Main, was a quarterback at UNLV. Uh, Colin Coward went to UNLV, didn't he? That always dumbfounds me. Kenny Maine, college I, quarterback. I always thought Kenny Maine's shtick got really old really fast. Am I the only one that thought that? I think he's a talented guy. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but like I thought, I had some good staying power. He was a good anchor on Sports Center, but when they started sending him out to do like features, and he thought he was funny, it was like. Ugh. The probably Kenny Maine's uh, not greatest moment was when he was the the one year that they had him as the MC for the Indy 500 Victory Banquet. Oh, I remember telling the story. Lorette Radon, he says, coming in you know 17th place. Lorette Radon, who wasn't there to come up and get the check, and he goes, apparently Lorette had better things to do tonight and decided not to come here. And somebody walks up and like, oh, oh sorry, Lorette's in the hospital in traction after an accident on lap 200. Yeah, dude. It's 2002. The accident with Buddy Lazier that led to the controversial Paul Tracy, Castro Nevis finish. I want to go back a little bit to last night, Jake, and Indiana's win over Rutgers, obviously the first time since 2019, and their inability last year to handle, honestly, you could point to it earlier this year. I know North Carolina's fallen off a cliff, but Jake, think about the hype after beating North Carolina. And all of that, the pomp and, and all the, oh my gosh, Indiana, what a huge win. They beat the defending national runner-up, all this stuff. 
and they go to Rutgers then a few days later and really get handled. Um, last year, you beat Purdue on your home floor, the court storming, et cetera, et cetera. Then you lose by 18 to a Michigan team that was bad last year. That was a 500 Michigan team that came into your building. Last night, here you are, playing at home, reacting after a big win, your first game after that emotional win, and you're playing a much better opponent than I think certainly Michigan was last year. And you kind of beat them a little bit at their game. You know, it wasn't like the prettiest looking win by any means. You didn't score 79 like you did against Purdue. There were some ugly moments in the second half. Um, you go through a scoring drought. At this point with Indiana, you're looking for steps. Preseason, everybody thought legit Sweet 16 sort of contender. They've won seven of eight. They just won a game that they lost last year kind of in a similar fashion. Now the next question will be, can you do it away from home? You did it against Illinois last month. You know th- th- That will kind of be the, the next question on the list. But I thought last night was an important step for them in continuing to try and show those preseason expectations were not unwarranted. I thought, Kevin, define what you mean when you say like at their own game. I thought it got pretty mucky and pretty loose ball offensive rebounding in the second half, and that's where Rutgers excels. Yeah, that's fair. And, you know, to be fair, that's part of why Rutgers got back in the game. But if you look at how Indiana iced that game last night, Jake, it was a Trace Jackson Davis offensive rebound that he put back in, and then Trey Galloway did the same thing with a three-point play late. Like... The one thing that's Indiana went in a little bit in a different way. The one thing that, and by the way, it was uh, Freddie Banks had thirty eight, Armand Gilliam thirty two, and eighty seven. Sorry, Mark. Um, Mark was all over that. The uh, Alfred had thirty three. I know that much. the The thing about the game to me last night, Kevin, was I, I really did feel like in the second half that Indiana did. You know. Every time Rutgers got within five, like when it got down to five, you were kind of worried, right? Like it's a 10-point game. It gets down to five, and you're like, wait a minute. Got to three and two, I think, one separate points. <laughs> but it just felt like they never let them fully get over the hump. And to your point, kind of a grind down, not necessarily a pretty game. I guess that's, that's your point there, right? I mean, and they had the an eight-minute scoring drought. Yeah. How many times last year did we say eight-minute scoring drought? That, no doubt. That, that they and couldn't overcome. The game totally got away from them, right? But I just felt like it was like they kind of controlled the game, Indiana. Like it didn't. Did you ever think to yourself, like, oh gosh, here it comes? No, I know the McConnell kid missed a three that was pretty open to tie the game. You know that might have been one of the few times, but for the most part, you felt like Indiana was still going to be able to. Again, they have such. I mean, I know Zach Eady's more the cheat code, but hell, Trace Jackson Davis at times. I mean, he spun around Cliff Amore. I mean, he dominated him with that spin move. Cliff Amore threw a three that I think landed in Griffey Lake there late in the game. <laughs> he shot it, and then Usain Bolt sprinted right away. Griffey to try and Lake. Did you have that on the used to watch that card? show in the 90s. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of things been lit up over at Griffey Lake. Uh-huh. Fair enough. Uh, time to get to a morning check down. Is that right? Yes, and then the pop quiz. Again, a pair of Ball State tickets coming up in about five minutes. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Jake, last night the highlight in the NBA. It was LeBron James late third quarter. 
and the record breaker, it sounded like this. Looking for James. He's got it. Coming to the end of the third quarter. LeBron James, a shot in history. Jake Brian Anderson from TNT on the call there. A step back, late third quarter off one foot. Very fitting to, honestly, his first basket in NBA history. Uh, pretty cool moment there, Staples Center. It was a great moment. And again, I, not to get into the whole soliloquy that I had earlier this morning, but I hope people were able to... I get it. He's a polarizing figure. Everyone is in today's world that we live in. But... I hope people were able to to watch that. I actually, I mean, it was like almost midnight, and I thought, am I going to watch this, or do I need to get to sleep because I got to get up in you know a couple hours? And I thought, I'm going to watch it because Kareem Abdul-Jabbar broke the all-time scoring record when I was 11. I'm 50. I, I don't know that anybody's going to do that again in my lifetime. I saw Pete Rose break Ty Cobb's record. No one probably is going to break that. There are certain moments in sports that... You have to appreciate in the moment itself, and I think you also need to appreciate it because LeBron James is one of the very few players that was tabbed for this moment at the age of 15 or 16 and never fell off the balance beam, and that's extremely rare. On or off the court. Correct. His play and off the court, you know, honestly, probably more of a reference to a guy that I've loved in Tiger Woods there. I, I, I'm i 33, Jake. I don't think that record will ever be broken in my lifetime. I, I mean... I mean, the high school element, sustaining it totally. for two decades, load management debate, all those things. Yeah, maybe I'm living too much in the moment, but I don't see it ever being broken. Uh, tonight, speaking of the NBA, the Pacers are back in action in Miami to take on the Heat. That is a 7.30 tip time. So our coverage will begin at 7 o'clock. Tonight, these two teams have split earlier meetings this season. The last road win for the Pacers, December 23rd in Miami. No Kyle Lowry tonight for the Heat. No Victor Oladipo. Uh, Miami right now favored by 6.5. Tyler Hero's been pretty banged up, too. Um, And him and Tyrese Halliburton are AAU teammates, is that right? Are they really? Pretty sure. Yeah, well, Tyler Hero is from. Where's he? Is he from Milwaukee also? Yeah, he was a Wisconsin okay. That's commit, right. I want to say, and then decommitted to go to Kentucky, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, probably a smart move there, right? He doesn't necessarily strike me as a Wisconsin style of play guy. He's a more open court guy. Oh, yeah, he has got a neon green light. You think he the Pacers that. snap this road skid? Oh, boy. Crazy. It's a month and a half almost. You know, I guaranteed last night Butler would win, and they did. Thank you. Uh, I would favored not, this Butler, one. I'm not near as certain. I'm a little more lukewarm on this one. But right. I was. I'll tell you what. That Butler game. I mean, I hope you. I told people to bet the mortgage, and I don't. But I'm telling you right now. And and actually, two people called me and said, "Hey, you know what? I'm living no payments anymore." So yeah, that's what I told you to do. Well, if you're reading the tea leaves and the Jim Mercy tweets, you said lukewarm, warm where Miami is. Heat, heat. You're picking the Heat to beat the Pacers. <laughs> That's how I deduced that one. You sound like my mom picking her NCAA tournament bracket. Going, 
QAnon stuff again mm-hmm. there, Mark? Uh, 68-66. Butler last night. It was a wild finish. St. John's had a chance to send the game into overtime. They're inbounding the ball under their own basket. Point nine to go. They lob it in, Jake. The call on the court was good. Overtime. They go back and look at it. And Jaden Thomas, Butler transfer from Georgia State, uh, they put him in to guard the inbounds. He actually tipped the pass. That started the clock. If that was in St. John's, I don't think the scorekeeper's starting it. Correct. The Butler homekeeper correctly starts the clock there. The tip-in was just a hair after the buzzer. So Butler, despite not scoring, neither team scored in the final 90 seconds. They ended the game on a 7-0 run. Great defense by the Bulldogs there late. And they get a much-needed win. By the way, somebody just asked me if Steph Curry could break LeBron's record. So that's that's a figure I'm going to look up before we get to the pop. Well, quiz. didn't we do Durant? And I mean, it's it's way off. Way Durant, off. Right? Durant was staggering how far behind he is. Yeah, yeah. All right, pop quiz coming up next. Uh, Mark Bowling Green, is that correct? The opponent at Worthen Arena on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, two o'clock. Is that the tip? Probably should look that up. Jake, you got Steph Ball Curry State's has twenty one thousand one hundred eighty three. He's thirty ninth on the list. How many? 21,183. So he needs to basically double what he's done so far. Yep. But he again, 17,000 more points. LeBron's not done. Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, it's point. not like he's he's retiring tomorrow. Dude's averaging which, 30 which points. Which game were you asking me uh, about? Ball State this Saturday. Uh, Ball State this Saturday. Scotty, you know what time Ball State plays this Saturday? Two o'clock. There we go. I can tell you who plays tonight. We're giving away a pair of tickets coming up this Saturday. Notre Dame's at Georgia Tech to tonight. I know. I Party told Kevin's. Matt, told Matt you guys are coming over. Told <laughs> okay. Uncle Jake will give Max the bottle. We'll be good to go. That's good. Um, all right, pop quiz coming up next. Pair of Ball State tickets up for grabs. 317-239-1070. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Jake, as I said yesterday, I thought the easiest pop quiz ever from Scotty. Uh, today, he's back to his old self. <laughs> okay. No chance, five for five today. You don't think so? Uh, the... Letter D answered at number four sounds like a a zookeeper. I have to pull it up. Probably could have done that during the break, right? Yeah, no shock there. It's probably uh-huh. going to be brought up in the meeting. Yeah, right, preparation. You wonder why we're 15th. <laughs> we're 14th if you consider that there's two in St. Louis. We're giving away a pair of tickets to Ball State. This Saturday, Michael Lewis, uh, former Notre Dame coach, Mike, or future Notre Dame coach, Michael Lewis, by the way. Uh, that's my hope. Ball Putting State, money on that one? Ball State fans don't love when I say that. There was a rumor going around about Porter Moser to Notre Dame. Notre Dame quickly that. denied that. Would Did that they? be a good hire for Notre Dame? He's a good coach. I, I mean, it's hard to say. Like He, he, he was very good at Loyola, obviously. The, the, the resume is, though, like just that one I, run. You're kind of right. You're kind of right. And he, in Oklahoma, as, it's been rough. He's only been there. He's there a year, right? Uh, This is his second season. So, yeah, still early there, but I'd like a little more substance on the resume. All right, Ball State. For that mighty Notre Dame basketball job. Very mighty. Did we not hear Greg Rakestraw call it top 20? That's the only job Rakestraw doesn't have. (laughs) 17-7, 8-3 in the conference. Ball State off of their best start in over 20 years. 
Uh, so a pair of tickets were given away this Saturday at Worthen Arena. Jake, a number one through eight for today's uh, We quiz. will go with six for LeBron James, the all-time scoring leader in NBA history. Romero Sace. Wouldn't that be number one then? Well, Jamie. True. Jamie. How we doing, guys? Jamie, good evening. Or good morning. Good evening. I'm already thinking about <laughs> Notre Dame and Georgia Tech tonight. I just can't stop thinking about Notre Dame sweeping the series, season series. Uh, Jamie, how are you? Good. How are you guys? Jamie, what's your favorite Super Bowl spread? Not point spread, oh. thing to eat. Or both. I would probably have to go with uh, wings. Nice. It's better than the shrimp caviar, whatever the hell Joel Erickson said yesterday <laughs> to us. Wings. I like that. You got a favorite spot? No, just uh, at, at the house. There we go. Homemade, go. baby. Yeah. Jamie, you've called the program before, right? I was actually on last week. Were you? Really? Yeah. You seem like a, a friendly How, fellow. How'd you we, do on the pop quiz? I believe I went four for five. Whoa. Not bad. Okay. Did I invite you to the PBR party? Diet Cokes are also perfectly sufficient. Have I invited you yet? Uh, no, sir. Would you like to come and just hang out and, and watch games and drink PBR or Diet Cokes? Uh, absolutely. Okay. I, I don't think this is ever going to happen, but we have oh, fun talking about it. I wouldn't be so sure. <laughs> I've heard some, get, some wheels are spinning. The uh, Pacers get to that 30th uh, win. Could have a little extra cheddar in the pocket here. I'm like John Lennon. I'm just sitting here watching the wheels go around and around on that bad boy. All right, Jamie, would you like for me or for would you like Kevin to lead you off with question number one? Uh, last week I started with Jake. I'm going to go this week with Kevin. All right, Jamie. LeBron James passed Kareem for the NBA's all-time scoring lead last night. Who is third on the NBA's career scoring list? Is it MJ? Is it Dirk? Is it the mailman? Or is it Kobe? Um, I believe that is the mailman, Carl Malone. Look at that, Jamie. No shock here. He was four for five last week, folks. All right, question number two. Brooklyn's Cam Thomas scored 43 points in the Nets' loss to the Suns last night. At just 21 years old, Thomas is the youngest player in NBA history to score 40 points in three straight games. Who was the youngest to do it before him? LeBron, Kobe Bryant, Kevin Garnett, or the appropriately nicknamed Allen Iverson? Ooh. I'm going to say Kobe. The appropriate nickname of Allen Iverson is what? Allen Iverson's nickname is? Okay. Uh, Not yeah. the question, but the... Go ahead with number three there. That was really. I thought that was one of your better hints, honestly, in a while. That takes me a lot to say that. All right, Jamie, number three. On this day in 1936, the first NFL draft took place. I mean, who cares? Jay Berwanger was selected number one overall by the Eagles. Which former Big Ten school did Burwanger play for as a collegian? The everybody knows this. Everybody. I would agree everybody knows this. The that. University of Chicago, Wisconsin, Michigan, or Ohio State? Chicago. You learn your 50 states, you learn all these other things, and you learn where Jay Burwanger was. Well, he's a Heisman winner, right? Yeah. Yeah, first Heisman winner. Uh, this week in 1960, this player became the first in NBA history to record a 50-rebound game. Was it Wilt Chamberlain, Bill Russell, Bob Pettit, or Dolph Shays? Bill Russell. 
Nice. All right, dolphin exhibit time. Mr. Shays will be leading the exhibit. His son today. was Dennis Rodman's best friend. Number five. To close it out, Jamie. <laughs> the Nuggets beat Minnesota by 34 last night in Denver. Last Sunday, the Nuggets lost the Timberwolves by 30 points in Minneapolis. Name the last pair of teams to have a 30-point win and a 30-point loss in consecutive games versus the same opponent. A, it's never happened before. B, the Detroit Pistons and the Syracuse Nationals. C, the LA Lakers and the Nuggets. Or D, the Boston Celtics and the St. Louis Hawks. Oh, I'm going to go with it's never happened before. Jim Beheim was coaching Syracuse. I think, That's right. Back then. Yeah. And yelling at Tricky Zone that he came out of left field with on Tom Crean. At reporters with. Okay, question number one. In fact, the third all-time leading scorer in NBA history, despite not working on Sundays, Carl Malone. The man. Yeah. Uh, number two, I thought it was a great hint, Jake. Um, Allen Iverson's nickname? That is the answer. And in this case, it was the correct one. You blew it! Jamie, stay on the line. Still at the ball state, Jamie. University of Chicago was correct. Bill Russell was correct. And Detroit Pistons and Syracuse Nationals. You still a nail biter? I forgot all about that. The famous Jim Gray question. I think um, I can say this because my mom went to Ball State. I thought when you said, Jamie, you're still going to Ball State, that was a shot at his efficiency of the pop quiz meeting. No, no, no. He still you still got tickets. into Ball State. No, he still wins tickets. A fine university, Ball State University. Uh, great institution. I almost went there. Did you really? What yeah. schools did you apply to out of high school? Uh, Notre Dame denied. Uh, Butler, Missouri, Ball State, right. Indiana accepted. Probably uh, went to IU. IU, Missouri, Ball State, Butler in that order. I uh, applied to Ball State, waitlisted, and then accepted. University of Kansas and University of Alabama. Really? Yep. My wife um, had a roommate and everything at South Carolina, and then last minute said, nope. Really? Yeah. You know, that's uh-huh. interesting because the University of South Carolina, uh, by the way. You've you been to Columbia? Shannon Walsh, born in Columbia, by the way. Really? Yep. Look at that small world. Father was working for the University of South Carolina. Um, I have been to Columbia, and I was amazed. The University of South Carolina, at least from what I saw, is kind of like IEPY. It's just like a big urban campus. Okay. Texas is like that. I was stunned when I first went to the campus of the University of Texas in Austin. I was super excited to go see it. Yeah. And it's just, it's like Michigan. It's just like this big urban sprawl. Right there. Uh huh. You know what I mean? And Austin's huge. So, for what reason did South Carolina intrigue your wife? I think they had, she did some journalism in high school. I think they had a decent journalism school. And I think it was more than anything, just I want to do something different. Yeah. And then last minute, kind of was like, yeah, her brother talked her out of it. Now, what about the girl she was going to room with? Well, tough luck. Go back into potluck. Did that girl go back? Did she? I don't know. That's, that's a good question. Stay at South Carolina? Yeah. I, I don't know. Alabama. That would have been fun. Were they any good at sports? I went would to that the... have gone better than Lawrence, do you think? I asked that in all seriousness. That's a good question. I, I think I was just too immature and too far from home either way. Um, my buddy Chris Farkas went oh, to Alabama. Sure. We know Farkas. <laughs> <laughs> you, oh, you he's like the Farkas. fourth man, member of the oh show. Gosh, he, he's B1. <laughs> um, Farkas went to Alabama, and so... And we were... Played I mean, for Bear Bryant. That's right. I went down my senior year to go look at Alabama, and I went to the Alabama-Penn State game. 
my freshman year of college, they won the national title with, uh, was it Gene Stallings, Scotty? That was our head coach? Sounds right. Um, they what won the national awesome title, game. the George T game. Penn State at Alabama? Yeah, it was awesome a good game. game. Um, but at the last minute, I think my parents were convinced I was going to go to Alabama. And at the last minute, I can, I'll never forget, I walked downstairs and just told my parents, I said, you know what? I'm actually going to go to Kansas. Do you think you're the only human in the history of the world to apply to Alabama, Kansas, and Ball State? Yes. that In terms of that trifecta, well, there might be some other 2-2 kids out there. You know what I mean? <laughs> that was no reference to the GPA. <laughs> I mean, it was it's more the, of, the, it's the reality. of the obscurity of that triangle. I took the big, I took the big huge schools. book at B. Dalton Bookseller and went to the least competitive section. I had to slide a ruler underneath and get the first 75% of the book thunk, over to the left. And my choices were, honestly, my choices were Alabama, Kansas. Now, Ball State, I think, was in the com- somewhat competitive category. But um, out-of-state issues, Alabama, Kansas, and then Arkansas was my other option. I imagine things, but didn't Ball State beat Kansas and Maui one year? Uh, They did. That was after I was there. Now, Ball State, when I was a junior in high school, made the Sweet 16 with Chandler Thompson. Um, They 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 defeated Oregon State and Louisville in the tournament and then lost to UNLV 67-63, I think was the final. That was my junior high school. So, Ball State kind of had some cachet anyway. It was like, it was, you know, but. Yeah, that was a cool memory. I remember it was like. Yeah, hot as can be in that Maui gym and Ball State at Theron Smith. Everybody was cramping up. You remember Everybody that? was cramping yeah. in Ball State. Petey was, ja- was Petey Jackson the point Petey guard? Petey Jackson, yeah. yeah, he was great. I, I actually went up to Worthen Arena, saw them play Butler with my neighbor. Growing up, that was fun. All right, Kevin Aquari, we'll do it one final time here to round things out on a Wednesday. Previously on Kevin and Quarry. <laughs> I can't think of a worse job to have. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Have than be an SEC football kicker and miss a game-winning field goal. And I say this in all seriousness, you imagine death threats pouring in for that oh. kicker? Somebody needs to poison that boy's brisket. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> that was a tough transition, and Mark, I think, executed it very well. LSU Auburn, get a little Iron Bowl. The Iron Bowl's Alabama Auburn. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking I mean, about. Yeah. Come on now. If you ain't going to talk SEC football properly, you might as well get off the air. Can't have this slander. I wouldn't last for five minutes on those airways, right? If Bo Scarborough can play like he did in the Crimson and Tide spring game, I think that the Stallions got themselves a chance. Can we just do the rest of the show? We shouldn't. <laughs> this like. sponsored by Charleston Chew. Throw that candy in the freezer. Get yourself a nice summer treat. We'll be right back. Get on down to the Boot Scoot and Boogie this Saturday night. We got a roller derby going on. That's right. <laughs> Kenny's band is going to be out there playing and they shred it. Root beer floats and ladies on trampolines. Ain't nothing better than that. Don't forget to head on down to the Jefferson County Fair this weekend. We got hog races, mud wrestling, and coleslaw eating contests. Get on down there. What you waiting for? I got the Barons at plus 150. Woo! You want to see some boys swing some big sticks? You better get down to the Birmingham Bisons. This show is just so off the rails right now. Quarterback. What the heck is going on in Huntsville? We got it up next. Y'all come back now. Yeah, that's our number one ranked Birmingham station, right, Mark? That's I, that's how we get to number one. We got to talk like that more often. Oh, that <laughs> yeah. was classic. I think I that was over that. a year was ago. Yeah, that was like, it had to be... 
probably September, I think. Right when college football was starting. Gosh, I totally forgot about that. Well, we're we talking Alabama. We're talking SEC football. I was like, well, I know what we can come back with. Boy, I, I, I stand by that. SEC kicker, hell no. Yeah, I mean. Hell no. By the way, I've just figured this up. If LeBron never scores another point, the number of games that each of these players would need to surpass him if they maintain their career averages. Luka would need 1,090 games. Steph Curry will need 702 games. We have Russell, a- ages for these people. Curry, 34, we said. Luka's what, 24-ish? Yeah, Luka's, Luka might have a chance, but... Uh, Russ Westbrook, 634 games. Kevin Durant, 460 games. Je- James Harden, 570. No. No. I, it's not happening in my lifetime. I Who think, knows? I maybe think you're right. Maybe the scoring rules will change a bunch, but I can't see it. Um, not a lot of local flavor in the Super Bowl. George Karloftis, of course. That, wasn't there a streak? Is the streak over for Purdue? Well, I, I, I mean, think it no, no, I'm is sorry. Over. It, yeah. I'm sorry. It resumed. I realized. But, yeah, I but, think it is over. Um, Purdue having a product playing in the Super Bowl. Uh, Karloftis, of course. West Lafayette, and then attended Purdue, and has really been an important piece. Part of that Kansas City, that Kansas City D line. Chris Jones is a flat out stud, but they've got a few more than that. And Karloftis has made some plays. If you look at the Eagles, honestly, most of the Colts connections would be on their coaching staff, of course. Uh, you know their wideouts coach, Jake, is Aaron Moorhead? Really? And then a ton of Frank Reich assistants. Nick Sirianni, Jonathan Gannon, their defensive coordinator, Jamal Singleton, their running backs coach, Kevin Petulo, the passing game coordinator, Jason Michael, their tight ends coach. They've got a lot. Uh, Ian Book, by the way, the Eagles' third quarterback. Really? Yeah. So Gardner Minshew and Ian Book. I mean, now, Book and Jalen Hurts, you know, they scamper a little. So will he, I mean, he'll travel, right? I mean, that would he's basically a practice squad guy, oh, yeah. right? I mean, you're certainly traveling your practice squad. Yeah, because you're practicing out there. But yeah, not a lot of, you know, we could have had an Indianapolis native. We could have had Ted Karras playing in the Super Bowl, uh, Bengals captain. But there's not a lot on that end. 23rd time in 24 years for a Purdue player, I believe. Really? Now, you know the other big event in Phoenix this weekend, which I'm sure you'll be watching? Uh, Golf, right? It is the Waste Management. Tucker Barnhart, just talking with him. He's definitely going to be out there. Um, So this is like the football atmosphere meets golf hole once a year. The 16th hole at the Waste Management Stadium feel to it. A raucous environment, to say the least. It is Bachelor Party Central. That's quite the double whammy out there for Phoenix. I mean, that's pretty cool, though. But again, that's on one side of the town. And one thing I hate about where the Cardinals play is they're out in Glendale. Not even close to downtown. Have you been to Glendale? Yeah. The the Arizona, not here. Uh Uh-huh. Did they have brass (laughs) penguins in Glendale, Arizona? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, their Glendale looks a little different than ours. That's right. Uh, Not to say one's better than the other. Um, but I, Glendale, Arizona, kind of reminds me of like, it's like the the Plainfield metropolis of Arizona. Like it's kind of just out there, and yeah. then all of a sudden they started building stuff. Correct. Yeah, I mean it was made for 
these stadiums because they're hockey arenas right there too. Um, but the Suns play downtown still, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Same with the Diamondbacks. And the Suns are here Friday. I guess they, they probably did that. Yeah, it's UK hat. It's UK hat night. Purposely to get you know some hotel rooms available out there. So uh, I checked the latest bracketology, Jake. This is before last night. You want to take a stab at Indiana seed? Four. Nah, five. Five versus Drake as the 12. Oh, the coffee cake. How about this as the four seed? Gonzaga. Purdue's obviously a one, right? Yeah, they would have been playing in Albany. Purdue might be the number one overall one. Oh, Purdue's still the number one overall seed. I mean, even with that loss, Purdue's resume just dominates, really, anybody else's resume still. Uh, Yeah, Purdue was the one in Louisville. Uh, the two, three, and four, UCLA, Xavier, and Iowa State. So that would have been a Columbus, then to Louisville path for Purdue, NC State, and Florida Atlantic, coached by Dusty May, right? Correct. That would have been the 8-9 matchup for Purdue. I did see Iowa was a six seed, so Iowa tomorrow night for Purdue. I didn't realize that the resume is that strong. Didn't Iowa lose to uh, Marty Simmons? Eastern Illinois earlier I, this year? I think that's right. The beginning, That was their first loss, right? I think they were missing some guys that were key, but Chris the Murray way, averaging 20 a game. Scott Johnston points out, uh, Keegan Murray had 30 the other night, by the way, for Sacramento. Um, the Purdue streak ended in Super Bowl 55, and then they turned around and had three players in Super Bowl 56. That's amazing for gosh, I mean, 23, I, 23rd time in 24 years. I know Purdue they had the rich history of defensive linemen, but that is just wild. Who's the last IU product to play in the Super Bowl? Well, that's a good one. Is it Tracy Porter? I, I, I was thinking... Got to think more recently. Cody Latimer, was he on Denver when they won it all? He might have been on the the roster, right? I, I was thinking... I guess not. I was thinking when Chris Dealman, but that was a while ago. Well, Porter and he didn't make him. it. He was with the Chargers. He was with the Chargers. Again, tonight it's a 7.30 tip from Miami. So our coverage will begin at 7 o'clock. Pacers and Heat. Purdue back in action. Tomorrow up at Mackey, that is a 7 o'clock tip. And if you're looking ahead to this weekend, Indiana's at Michigan Saturday evening. 6 o'clock. Tevin Coleman. Great call, Scotty. 49ers. There we go. Yeah. And he played a pretty prominent role. Raheem Mostert, was he a Purdue product? Yes. He's been in it recently, too. There's what about Nate Sudfeld? Was that more recently? Was uh, Coleman more recently? Yeah, did he dress? Oh, we're up okay, against yeah. it. We'll talk to you tomorrow.